should have been recording this. Should we fake it and do it again? It's never as good, though. Is it not? No. no. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you hear about Superfan Unlimited? <laughs> <laughs> Unlimited. Is that not what it was? Unchanged. Superfan Unchanged. Yes, and I didn't do that deliberately. Uh, yeah, they've cancelled the last two issues because Jim Lee's a lazy bastard. Sorry, Jim Lee's busy running the company. Isn't Jeff Johns and Didio doing that? Yeah, yeah. Oddly, Jeff Johns can get all his stuff out, can he? But Jim Lee, no. Mm. I was thinking of writing a letter to him and really? saying I have entered into a, an unwritten contract. Okay. That I will buy nine issues of this comic. <laughs> an unwritten contract that yeah. they were not. They, they were not. By, <laughs> no, no, no. By releasing this comic and saying it was a nine-issue series, they have entered into a contract with me as a reader, right? Okay. Okay. If they're not going to follow through on that and just keep delaying it, I want my money back for the six issues I've bought. I think that's fair enough. If okay. he can't be bothered, if he's too lazy to finish the comic, I'm too lazy to give them my money. Okay. If it wasn't for you, I'd be done with DC. Oh, but they're publishing good stuff, which we will talk about later. What good stuff? What we read for the show. <laughs> Does that count? One of which ended, the other was cancelled. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if it was cancelled. <laughs> no, no, Swamp Thing still still exists. And, 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 yeah, I know. That's Animal cool. Man came to an end, I believe. But was it cancelled? I, I it think it was end? a mutual... It's what's called a mutual decision. Right, okay, okay. Yeah. Sales figures weren't great. Jeff Lemire saying, right, I'm bailing. <laughs> they probably said, well, we'll cancel the boot then. And Jeff Lemire said, okay. But he's doing Justice League... United now. Justice League United, Justice League Dark, Justice League America. He's dropped Justice League Dark. Justice League. He was doing Justice League Canada. That turned into <laughs> Justice League United, also so, known as Animal Man Volume 2. So basically what you're saying is DC is essentially a publisher of Batman and Justice League comics. Yes. <laughs> now, there's anything wrong with that? I, I, was, I was reading through the other day, and you know the back bits they talk about other comics and that. Area, which they also don't do anymore. Area 52, do they call it? No, that, that, really, like, that, that news the dark fake the thing. Edge. Oh, yeah. They did it ages ago. They I remember it. what you mean, yeah. I like a bullpen bulletin. Yeah, thing. yeah. And it's like, this uh, this month in Resurrection Man. Whoa, do you remember when Resurrection you remember Man when was Resurrection Man was a thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of the things. We'll get to it when we get to what we're covering tonight. But reading through the ads and going, that book was published. <laughs> yeah. And it's only like two years ago. I have no memory of it. Yeah. Obviously, the, the rest of the buying public oh, yeah, have yeah. no memory of it either. All of the OMAC fans are going to be pounding on our door now. <laughs> that was a great book. May have been. I don't know. I never read it. May have been a great book. I thought book. you did. Did I? Yeah. Did I read OMAC? Did I have no memory of it. Did you and Giffen? Because I think you read it and said it was good, and I was like, ah, whatever. <laughs> You negative Nancy, you. <laughs> I read the issue of it that tied in with Frankenstein. Agents of shit. That was apparently a good book. Never yeah. read it. I've read a few issues uh, by Lemire, which was good. And he crossed over into Men of War. Remember when Men of I War was when a Men thing? of War was a thing. <laughs> 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 oh, God, yeah. We'll see. I think we unfurly. More right. me than you. <laughs> but I think we unfurly get a rap for hating on the New 52, which I think is not true. If you actually yep. go back and, and listen to the shows. And I think we were open to it. I mean, how, no, many, we new, how many new 52 books did we buy for issue one? At, At least 25. Lot, yeah. And that quickly whittled down to 10. Yeah. Because um, quick, we quickly whittled it down, didn't we? We got Batman. It was through what? Were you getting Batman and Robin? We got the first few. Batman and Robin. Um, we got the first All-Star Western. Yeah. We stuck with Flash. Yeah. Superman Action Comics. What else? Yep. 
Um, Animal Man Swamp Thing for you. Justice yeah. League Dark for you. Yeah, Justice League. Justice League. So yeah, we fell down to ten. Oh, Batgirl and Nightwing. We stopped getting Batgirl. Well, that's what I'm saying. And then quickly we, we whittled that early, down. Actually. And quickly that whittled we down. We stopped Detective. And at this point, I'm reading one DC boot, which is Batman. Oh no, I'm reading Superman Unchained. I, I'm actually enjoying Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn's okay. I'm not reading Justice League yet. No, you're waiting until we've read Forever yeah. Evil, aren't you? Stop Justice League Dark yeah. because Lamia left. Harley, Harley Quinn's actually quite good. Yeah. And I, I've toyed with dropping it and then I keep going, but I actually quite like it. I think it's not as good as the Zero issue. But the comic that's followed has never been as good as the Zero issue. Yeah. Which was funny. It was. It was very funny. So, alright, yeah, there's Harley Quinn, Batman, and that's it for DC for all I'm reading, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Justice League United next month. No, that's for you. I, I don't I'm read sure that. You'll that's read your it. book. You, you keep telling me Green Arrow's good. Green Arrow's good, yeah. Right. I've not read but that. But it's one of those things that I'll wait until I have the full story up before I read it. So when I do go... Is that Lemire as well? Yeah. So when I do go to read it, I'll have forgotten everything that's just happened. I've just started reading The Outsiders War, even though it's two issues to finish it. And it's like, who's here? What's going on here? War what? You'll have to go back and read them all. I know you love Jeff Lemire, but his art's crap, isn't it? I, it's <laughs> not suited. He did the last issue of Animal Man. Yes, I know. I flipped through it. It looks alright within the context of the story, which I've still not read. I've not read that last issue yet. Well, that's bad planning for tonight, isn't it? I guess so. Um, you fool of a fool. I did plan to read took. all of it again beforehand and then read it as well. And then you, you fell. Because of needs. notes. Hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, doing the notes for the show just takes up so much it time. It does, yeah. For you, doesn't it? Yeah, with all that coursework, yeah. <laughs> all that coursework. Yeah. All that time that you're actually at sixth form, which is what, oh, two hours a day. But I do coursework during those two hours a day. Do you really? Those two hours a day are some tiring And so the rest of the time that you're playing Metal Gear Solid that you should actually be doing work or getting a job you work shy for. I'm I'm, I'm looking. No one wants me. Well, that's understandable. But I think his art is good within his indie stuff. Like, underwater. Sweet Tooth. I've not actually read that. Was that very good, was it? It was, actually. Was it? I don't know if you've not read it. Apparently it was Vertigo's finest. Was it? Really? Oh, it's current lineup. Um, underwater Weld is good. Underwater Welding? Welder. Oh, right. That was a it's, reality it's, TV it's show. essentially um, an Underwater episode. Welding with the cast of Towie. Go, 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 If you don't do very well, we send them down without breathing <laughs> yeah. apparatus. They've got to hold the breath. That would be so funny. Yeah. But that was good. It was an episode of The Twilight Zone. I like The Twilight Zone. And Essex County was really good as well. Oh, right. So he, I suppose we should do a show. Yeah, we should. You can finish what you were going to say. I was saying he does some good stuff, but he's uh, better suited to his indie work. Not his superhero work. But like, is he not drawing Justice League? Dark? No. Night? Europe? Canada? Whatever it is. Mike McCone. Oh, I like Mike McCone. He's doing the art. Oh, I quite like Mike McCone. I'm going to have a look at that. See, I think Marvel now is where it's at. Yeah, I'm reading more DC than Marvel. I'm now. reading much more Marvel now. Daredevil, Silver Surfer, Spider-Man's back, Amazing Spider-Man, Superior Spider-Man, spoilers! That hasn't quite ended yet. Superior Spider-Man 30 was a bit disappointing. Wasn't that the big thing? Yeah. Was that the last issue? No, it was one more issue. Right. I'm not going to ruin it for anyone, but I, I didn't think they earned that. After all the build-up, I didn't think they earned what happened. But anyway, uh, what else? Fantastic Four, James Robinson's FF, got off to a good start. Yeah. Captain America. I'm a bit dubious on Cap now. Do you know, ever since the World War Z, World War Z, Dimension Z stuff ended. Yeah. Not bad as good. You were like that all the way through the Dimension Z stuff. I know, and then though. I ended up loving it. You, you keep saying you want to drop it every month. And then I ended up loving it. Yeah. And then I get, this sucks, not as good. 
very strange, very unusual. Silver Surfer. Well, only one issue's come out of that. Very good, though. I'll have to read it. Especially the Infinite comic that came before it. That uh, was free! Yeah, I applaud Marvel for that. All the Infinite ones are. I do not applaud the Daredevil Road Warrior comic being three, two pound an issue for did, a digital comic. No, did we no, no, do no, that. No. Yeah, about where did it? Chris, is it Chris part, Samney? Was it part of the story, though? It takes place in between Daredevil 36 and Daredevil 1. Right, okay. So it's basically Matt Murdock and Christine. She's McDuffie, isn't she? I don't know. Journey into San Francisco. Right. So whatever. Oh, is that where they are now? Yeah, he's right. in San Francisco now. Because um, there is this loophole in the law, apparently, okay. that if you get barred right. from the the lawyer club, okay. whatever that's called, <laughs> if you get disbarred, I think it's right. called, isn't it? And uh, you cannot practice in the, the, the county or the city or something, the general that's area so where you're disbarred. Right. But you can practice if you, in another state, that was it, if you have prior experience of practising there. And he lived in San Francisco with Black Widow for a bit in the 60s and 70s. Right. So he can, he can go to San Francisco. So now I know that law. something happens to Matt Murdock during these last issues. Yeah. Did you not know that already? No. Anyway, <laughs> we have a show today. I really do need to read it. <laughs> Spoilers for Daredevil. <laughs> Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey, kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. Faster. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. I don't know if that's all going to end up in the show. <laughs> <laughs> so after the, the end of the show, or the beginning of the show. The beginning. You think it's a pre-credits bit? It's a very long pre-credits uh, bit. And you know what I think? I think we should record a Hair Kids comics. We should. It feels like we've not done one in oh, at least a week. <laughs> I think the world is a the whole world. Seven days. The world won't listen, and therefore it is our duty. To force them to listen. <laughs> it is our duty to pin them down, Malcolm McDowell style, in a clockwork orange. Pin their eyes back. Pin their ears open. Pin their ears open. Force them to listen. Okay. To the show. Especially tonight. Because it's one of yours. It is. I get a day off. Week off. Edited <laughs> off. Six yep. hours of my life I get back. Gift! <laughs> <laughs> yes, tonight's a Michael show. Mm. Rock World. Yes. You're very excited about Rock World. I am. So we'll see all you listeners next week. <laughs> That's very self-effacing. It's very self-deprecating for you, that. You're not the Captain Ego. The last time I did three shows. <laughs> hey, don't knock the Metal Gear Solid shows. They they went down very well. D- did they? Yes. 
Shell and such, right? And you know, he is <laughs> utterly magnificent. I am the voice of Night Industry 2000s, my <laughs> K I T T for easy reference. A kit, if you prefer. However, right. I don't think even Kit's molecular bonded shell could survive a direct hit from a nuclear tip Shrike missile, which Erwolf is armed with, okay. as well as 30 millimeter chain guns, right. So I think it's a bit of a non-starter that I think Earl will blow kits off the road. So it's not going to be a six-issue miniseries. I, I would imagine. I'll be amazed if it lasts six pages. I, I think we will just basically get a give me the turbos, Dom, and then he'll squint manlily, and then he'll say give me the chain guns and the ADF pod, bang bang, blue, bloom, kabloo, let's go home. And was Earl flies off? It's not going to be like a double-page spread of David Hasselhoff coming out of the ocean and running towards ocean. You've got to reach out, take all of my hand. Wow, Baywatch reference. Because I'm Bear always ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Baywatch, we hardly knew ye. Jiggle television, <laughs> I think it was called. Was that just Hasselhoff? That was just Hasselhoff, yeah, so these, these manly pecs. <laughs> anyway, I love David Hasselhoff. I've got a lot of time for David Hasselhoff. Okay. I think he's a very funny man. Didn't he have his own reality TV show? I think he did, yeah. And was he, it not more about his daughters? Could have. Didn't he have a musical career at one point? Oh, he still has Do you a remember musical when career? David Hasselhoff yeah, had a musical career? Yeah, he still has a musical career. He's, he totally He's still, still going around career. asking women if they want to drive in his <laughs> car. Drive in his car. <laughs> and you're like, it's Kit, it's not your car. Yeah. I, I wonder if he actually owns a Kit. He could have. I'd actually own a Kit. That would be awesome had the money. If, I, if I had the money. Yeah. Obviously, our listeners aren't multimillionaires mm. because if, if they were, they would have bought me a kit. Quite <laughs> yeah, instead of a talking Christmas tree, instead of a talking Christmas they would have sent me an actual trans <laughs> out. Yeah. Oh no! When I rallied the call, when I rallied the troops, when I called to arms my people to, give you to say that the house from Magnum PI is up for sale, right. let's all, you know, if you really <laughs> meant, if you really want all this free entertainment we'll give you, if it really <laughs> meant something to you, you would have bought me that mansion. And nobody did. What's $15 million amongst friends? I was very disappointed. I cried. Did you? I, I literally cried for what a the whole hour. Everyone of the two, everyone in the two true freaks donated one million. <laughs> that implies that they have one million in two true they, freaks. They all... You've seen the Demanzo Court offices. <laughs> this equipment is 1970s standard. I've seen the rats in the coffee stained mugs. Yeah, well, I mean, I quite like 1970s standard. It has quite an analogue, crackly feel to it, but I don't think there's any money coming in from senior demands audio <laughs> I think he's siphoning it all through his other businesses through all of his other banks yeah I think he's money laundering because like, he's got a nice big mansion 
He's he, got rules. He's selling Magnum's mansion. He doesn't, he doesn't need his <laughs> he, summer he house. He's Robin Masters. <laughs> Senior Demanzo Masters. Senior Demanzo Masters, author of many hit novels <laughs> and teamed up with Jessica Fletcher on more than one occasion. I suppose we should do an email because we didn't do any last week, <laughs> yeah. did we? We got sidetracked last week. First email is from the lovely Christopher Franklin. Dreadful birthday, dear Joker 4. Uh, Chris says he's in total agreement with me which I always like. On the Batman Adventures, Chris says, I recall buying an issue of the series at the local comic shop in my college town and telling the owner, Fred, that TBA was the best Batman series currently being published. He looked puzzled and asked, Really? I told him not to judge it as a kids-only comic and to give a few issues a try and see what I meant. When I came back a few weeks later, he told me that he had sampled some issues, and I was right. He was a champion of the series thereafter, and I had the good fortune of working for him at the store for a few years later before finishing up my college tour of duty. The man had good taste. Yeah, Batman Adventures was awesome. Why DC aren't publishing them as, you know, little Archie Digests? Yeah. And stacking them in Walmarts and what other supermarkets were there in America? Targets and Walgreens and even Best Buy. Yeah, have them in Little Digest at the WhatsApp and get kids reading. Because then all those diehard fans would just sit there puzzled at where it fits into the (laughs) comic. Did I say diehard fans? I meant Didio. Didio would wonder where it fits into the continuity of regular Batman comics, would it? But Listen, Dick Grayson's alive, what? And he's Nightwing again. Who's this Robin and where's Jason Todd? No, the seriously, they should get them in digest forms. Because, you know, there is no correlation right. between comics being available in mass market outlets <laughs> and sales being better. Of course. Not at all! No. No. That should be the PS on your letter. <laughs> Uh, Chris continues I don't always follow my own advice however and only sporadically picked up the follow up series after the initial run came to an end I was too wrapped up in the all consuming DC continuity and something had to give I realised I would have enjoyed those animated comics more than those so called real counterparts I need to go back and fill in the holes in my collection yeah Brew Baker did some of that Mm. I keep meaning to pick some of them up one other bittersweet story concerning the animated comics I actually won the monthly art contest they ran for some time. Oh, you jammy bugger. The letter column in Batman Adventures 33 contained a prize-winning letter by me. Ooh, I'll dig that out. Is that the last issue? I don't know. Or was 36 the last issue? I eagerly awaited that sweet Mike Parabet goodness, and it never came. Ah! I'm not sure what happened, but I never received the package. I kicked myself for not following up on it and nagging someone till I got it, but I was too preoccupied with college life, I suppose. It wasn't long after that. Parabet was gone, and my chances of ever getting an original piece of his gorgeous artwork was gone as well. That's really quite sad. I'm tearing up. No less than Bruce Tim himself praised Parabet's interpretation of Batman. What more can be said? I enjoyed Deanie's Tech 286. No one quite gets the Joker like Deanie, bringing both the frightening and the funny. Which is more than I can say of Morrison's effort. It seems every comic creator feels the need to recreate the Joker. I think it's Alan Moore envy. Before the killing joke, and perhaps Dark Knight Returns, writers were content to offer good, solid Joker stories. Now everyone has to reinvent him from the ground up every time he shows up. He's becoming the comic version of Madonna. O'Neill and Engelhart refocused the character as did Deanie, Tim and company, but all built on the groundwork laid by Finger Kane and Robinson. The old boy is barely recognisable. Only you two could make me look forward to hearing about Death of the Family. I respect Scott Snyder's work, but I just couldn't get past Leatherface Joker. Maybe I'll change my mind. If anyone can do it, it's you two. No pressure or anything. Till next time, Chris. Well, bye now, Chris. 
you have heard what we thought of a death in the family. So I suppose the next question would be, did we manage to convince you it was good? Well, one would only have to look three emails up (laughs) to see that Chris says, well, you did it. You convinced me to try another new 52 storyline. Our work here is done. This is doesn't much... matter if he enjoyed it. Oh, no, no, let's, it. let's see. This is much like squeezing blood out of the proverbial stone. Your palpable enthusiasm and dramatic synopsizing of death of the family had me on the edge of my seat. I kind of think we may have ruined it for you, Chris. <laughs> we didn't really do a no-spoiler yeah. synopsis, did we? Uh, I may still completely disagree with the boneheaded angle of a joker wanting his face taken off, but despite that ridiculous visual, this story sounds damn good. Besides, maybe Snyder was just making lemonade out of the lemons Daniel gave him. I read Detective Comics issue 1, it was dreadful. This story makes up for it. It seems if the comics are half as good as your retelling of them, I'm in for a hell of a read. Well, you'll have to let us know if you liked it or not, or if we gave you a bum steer. And then you uh, you ended up spending money on something that you didn't like, which we, we really do. Apologise. Uh, Kyle Bennings emailed in. Dear Joker, for feedback, another winner. Greetings, Leylands. I want Marble Fanfare number one, please. Well, I sent it to you, Kyle. So <laughs> one would imagine that you have it by now. Uh, I feel like the statement for running great art by having Coletta Inc. isn't exclusive to Howard Chaikin. That could be used for any artist inked by Coletta. Oh, that's a bit mean. Kyle does clarify that uh, he thinks he did look good over Mike Grell in the Superboy and the Legion story in an all-new collector's edition C55, which I presume is a treasury edition, because I don't have it. I don't have many treasuries. I have (laughs) Superman and and Spider-Man, two of them. Uh, Those are the only ones you want. I have Batman and the Hulk and Superman the movie and I have the two Star Wars ones. I don't have any more. You don't have enough, do you? I'm very sad. Oh no, I've got the Spider-Man one where he gets six arms, haven't I? That reprints him as Spider-Man 100. Sounds like a great one, that. Oh, we'll cover that on the show if you, <laughs> if you don't think that that's cool. First appearance of Morbius. Spider-Man with six arms. How could they you did not that on the anime series. Yeah, they six to- arms. totally did that. And he's in his bedroom and Aunt May's going to come and he's like, ah. <laughs> oh no. Don't come in, Aunt May. I must have ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm harmless. <laughs> Oh, Kyle continues, man, I do love the Batman Adventures series. I don't have anywhere near a full run of these issues, much to my disdain, but the ones I do have are just fantastic as the animated series. I agree 100% with your assessment that Batman the Animated Series is the most perfect and definitive version of the character. It is perfect in every way, and I rank among the thousands, maybe millions, who hear Kevin Conroy's voice in their head when they read Batman comics. Has this series ever been collected? I believe it has... They, they did two six-issue trade paperbacks back in the 90s, and then they did nothing else. But I'm sure I read on a solicitations recently that there is a Batman Adventures collected edition coming up. You know, similar to the No Man's Land trades, really big fat ones. Yeah. So I don't know how many issues are in it, but I'm sure that I read that they're going to do that in the very near future. Kyle continues, another great episode, fellas. Thank you very much. You picked some interesting books. The only one I'd read was the Paul Dini detective issue. I love that run of detective from this time period. Most were true one-and-done stories, which are the best kind in my book. And in my opinion, those were the best Batman books of the era. Good old-fashioned Batman stories where Batman does what he does best, be the world's greatest detective. There was a Zatanna story from right around this time period that I really enjoyed. Was that a two-parter? The Zatanna one. I'm not sure. I remember there the being a Zatanna one, because Paul Dini likes some Zatanna, doesn't he? He's got his, his new um, 
prestige format one shot coming out soon. So he has, yeah. He wrote the Zatanna book just before the New 52 as well, didn't he? Yeah. Or he wrote some of them. Which was really good. I'm interested in next week's episode and Michael's take on Death of the Family, which is the point at which I ended up dropping New 52 Batman. The story wasn't bad, it just didn't do much for me, which was disappointing when it was hyped as the be-all, end-all Joker story. So I'm interested in Michael's takes and perhaps that will win me over when I give this story a reread. Great episode as always, Leyland's Kyle Benning. Very welcome, Kyle, again. You need to uh, drop us a letter and let us know what you thought of that. In fact, you may have already done so because you're in the list of uh, email people. Coming up. Coming up. Last one. We'll have to knock it on the head here. We've procrastinated too much again, haven't we? Bobby Coakley's emailed in saying, uh, I liked your look at the Joker over the years in Dreadful Birthday, Dear Joker. I was surprised you didn't briefly cover Joker last laugh. Well, there's a reason for that, Bobby. We haven't read it. <laughs> so, kind of a prerequisite for covering because we've actually read something. Didn't it cross over into backup strips? I think so. They may explain if we carry on. The 2001 crossover is a bit overblown with DC supervillains being Joker eyes and for some reason following the Joker's orders. But Last Laugh number 6 has what I consider to be the Joker's best line. Nightwing, thinking Tim Drake is dead, is beating the Joker viciously. The Joker responds, Ah, jeez, I hit Jason a lot harder than that. His name was Jason, right? The panels are attached. If the Joker knew he was Jason, it's not much of a leap for him to figure out that Bruce Wayne's Batman, is it? Yeah... It's my thinking on that. And then Nightwing kills the Joker. <laughs> oh, please tell me that's true. The Joker's revived with CPR, asking who gave him mouth to mouth. The Huntress says they should have let the Joker die, with Batman saying, we don't do that. Not even for him. Last Laugh seems to be right to Chuck Dixon doing meta-commentary. Various DC villains become as crazy as the Joker, which might be how regular supervillains became psychotic monsters when the superheroes became grim and gritty in the 80s and 90s. Another underrated Joker story is the last issue of Gotham Adventures, issue 60. It's an all-ages take on the killing joke, so no one gets shot in the spine. The Joker kidnaps Commissioner Gordon and holds him in an amusement park, not to prove a point about the nature of mental illness. He just does it because he does crazy things. Then Batman stops him. Two panels from that issue are also attached. Under the hood and the return of Jason, Todd ties into death of the family more than most fans realise. In Batman issue 650, Jason Todd wants Batman to answer the question, is the Joker more important to you than me? Death of the family is the Joker wanting an answer to that question with, yes, I'm more important to Batman than his interns. Given popular characters like Helena Bertinelli, Cassandra Kane, and Stephanie Brown can be dropped so abruptly in the new 52, maybe there's something to it. Finally, I think the Grant Morrison made the Joker too Riddler-like in Batman issue 663 with patterns hidden. Of course, Morrison also made Batman too Riddler-like with things like time travel messages hidden in various Wayne family paintings. That's a vague reference to Return of Bruce Wayne. Good work, and I'm looking forward to whatever you have planned next. Well, we hope you enjoy whatever we have planned next. Right, we shall have a quick break, and then we will get into the meat of tonight's episode, Rot World. Oh, look, there's an advert for sexy Russian beauties. It's always what I want to see on my email. Do they come in a, in a parcel? Yeah, from Demonza. Like, like, like a crate. <laughs> <laughs> you have to build them yourself. They are here for you. Yeah. Glue not included. Apparently I'm German, not Russian. Yeah, it was invented by a little old lady from Leningrad. <laughs> I am Russian, yeah? Da. I am here for you. You, those, you ordered those me. German Russians. You ordered me da. Da. Das Vidania. You ordered me on, on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in a minute. Does for Dad. Yeah. Okay, wow. Sorry I'm late. Let's see, what do we got here? 
Wow, this, this is a lot more stuff than last time. All this for a new promo for Trendus Magnus Punches Reality? Okay, whatever. No, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm, I'm ready. Let's just bash through this, I got a plane to catch. It's for this year's Golden Headset Awards. Uh, word is my auditory orgasm of a podcast has been nominated for basically everything, and because it's me, we all know I'm going to win, so I really can't be late for this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's let let's roll it. Let's roll it. Trentus Magnus punches reality. Listen as Magnus discusses comics, movies, and TV shows. Trentus Magnus punches reality. It's like porn for your ears. Trentus Magnus punches reality. It's where awesome and epic go to relax after a long day. Trentus Magnus punches reality. After all, a million monkeys at a million typewriters can't be wrong. Trentus Magnus punches reality. Because deep down inside, you know Magnus is right. Trentus Magnus Punches Reality, the People's Comic Book Podcast. Trentus Magnus Punches Reality, because f*** you, that's why. Trentus Magnus Punches Reality, every Tuesday at magnus.libson.com. Okay, great, are we good? We good? We got everything? All right, great. Thanks a lot. Whatever your name is. Bye. Returned. We have indeed. We talk about comics. Which we do every week. Yeah. More or less. More or less. A long time ago, or what seemed like a long time ago, we looked at four of the new 52 series that were relaunched as part of the new line of comics. Two of these were Animal Man and Swamp Thing, two of my favourite serieses. Serieses. <laughs> Currently, Swamp Thing is seen as second creative team, and Animal Man released its 29th and final issue before being integrated into Justice League United, a.k.a. Justice League Canada. Is that right? Is it really Justice League it Canada? It was called Justice League Canada yeah. before they changed its name. During the early days of these stories, there were rumours that the two would cross over into each other's titles. We were already seeing signs of the two existing within the same story, each series referring to characters or events in the other, and the two were becoming a monthly double bill. It was that thought bubble in 2011, I think, when Jeff Lemire attended and I got the chance to meet him. After asking if the rumours were true, he said that after the first year of the setup, the two series would indeed cross over. Confirmation from one of the writers was big news, not even Bleeding Cool and the reliable sources knew of this yet. Not that you know of. They may have known about it. <laughs> no, I'm sure if he knew about it, he would have posted it six times. I probably would, yeah. 
When we last saw the two, Animal Man was being hunted by a herd of animals possessed by the rot after killing the Hunters 3, and Alec Holland had been killed only to be turned into the Swamp Thing before flying away to kill Sethe and rescue Abigail Arcane from being turned into a servant of the rot. Animal Man, Buddy Baker, travelled for days with his family, constantly being pursued by the possessed animals, and the last of the Rot's Hunters 3. Deciding enough is enough, Buddy stayed back to fight the animals whilst his family escaped. During the fight, he is killed, and whilst his consciousness entered the Red, the final Hunter possessed his body. The totems of the Red created a new body for Buddy, and he returned to the world to fight the Hunter. In doing so, his son Cliff was harmed and was knocked unconscious. Swamp Thing headed to the throne of Sethe in the centre of the Deadlands. After fighting through his forces of the possessed dead, Sethe reveals what has become of Abigail. The beast that she had become beat Swamp Thing until he barely had any life in him. Using the last of his strength, he used a peach that she had eaten and uses the green against the rocks, turning Abigail to her normal self and giving her the strength to kill Sethe. She takes Swamp Thing back to her old house in the swamps where he creates the new parliament of trees and rests in the swamp. In the house, Abigail was attacked by the Unmen and her uncle, Anton Arcane. Behind the scenes, Anton was responsible for killing previous totems of the red and green and was the cause of the fire that killed Alec Holland and turned him into the first Swamp Thing that was not an avatar of the green. Abigail held him off for as long as possible until she was overpowered by Anton. Using the little strength he had recovered, Swamp Thing harmed Anton enough to send him through a portal to the rot. After deciding to stay away from the portal, the Baker family arrive and tell them that Swamp Thing and Animal Man need to enter the rot together. This brings us up to Rot World, the crossover between the two stories that is a culmination of a year's worth of stories. The prologue was split into two parts which carried over into both titles. Animal Man 12 Prologue Rot World Part 1. Yeah. It's a good title. It is. Gets the, the job done. Uh, the cover is Animal Man and the Baker family. Cliff holding a phone up because he's a teenager. Yeah. And that's what teenagers do. Whilst behind them, Agents of the Red and the Rot just kind of lurk menacingly. It's nice to see Steve Pugh back on art. Pugh was regular artist on Animal Man back in the day, just after the Morrison Trogue run. Am I pronouncing that right? Chris Trogue? I'm not. Is that his name? Couple of nice touches on this cover. Cliff is really without his phone, which we've mentioned. Second, this is part of a duo cover with Swamp Thing 12. And both link together nicely, which I, I thought was really cool. Especially since they're by different people. Yeah. And the last two issues do as well, but I was going to mention that when we get there. I didn't want to... You know. Well, they were set up by... laid out by Paquette. Were so they? He did the heavy work. Steve Pugh drew over Paquette. Paquette's layout. Yeah. Alright, that's fair enough. Well, I would like interlocking covers. You can see Paquette's art on this Animal Man cover, actually. Oh, is that Paquette stuff? Yeah. On So Steve Pugh only drew the rot, the red, the agents of the red, yeah. and the Baker family. Yeah. Right, very good. It's a good cover. Quite like it. I'll get a bit bored of these prototype covers before the end, but for now... The Animal Man ones are worse than... Yeah, that's why I've... Have you read my notes? I have, yeah. You're preempting And then then I look at the covers and go, oh, he's right. (laughs) And does that disturb you? And I'm right. It's never any good when you're right. No, nobody likes that. Um, The issue was brought to you by Jeff Lemire and Scott Snyder with art by Steve Pugh. Ellen and Buddy check on Cliff before setting off to find Swamp Thing with Maxine. After using the Red's connection to the Green, Buddy is able to locate Swamp Thing and they find him beside the portal to the Rot. 
As Buddy and Swampy tell each other their stories, Maxine looks into the portal and sees a destroyed world overrun by the rot and its heroes dead. Buddy and Swampy decide to head into the portal, with Swampy using a vine to tether themselves to the world. As they enter the rot, the rot enters the world, and Abby, Ellen and Maxine are left to fend off against the attacking rotlings. For these series of shows, these series, this one yes. episode, really, just this one, felt like a series. Michael made me read every single Animal Man. And are you grateful that I did? And Swamp Thing that led up to this because he's obsessed with reading everything. Are you glad I did? To be fair, they weren't that bad. Yes. You know, but I can see why Vertigo ran into difficulties. These are Vertigo comics. Yes. Pure and simple. The level of violence, the darker themes. When DC's publishing mainstream comics that are like this, there's no need for Vertigo. What's the point of the Vertigo imprint anymore well, if this is a mainstream comic? Vertigo now are just the political, edgy... Well, that's, I've got that written in my notes. Eh? That the only thing that separates this from Vertigo is nudity and swearing. Yeah. And even then... I would say there's more than a certificate 12 worth of swearing in these. Yeah, but it's never pushes into vertigo swearing. It's never... No, it's there's never any gratuitous use of the word F. Yeah, it's never NS worthy. No, or Ellis. Yeah. Or Warren Ellis worthy. No, it never quite crosses that boundary. And it's rated T+. Plus. Yeah. What does that even mean? Oh, they started using movie ratings now. Of course they did. Because we're embarrassed to be making comics, so we want to make films, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, I think you making me read the 24 issues that led up to this... Yeah was helpful, because I, w- I think I would have been fairly lost. Well, this issue is pretty much a catch-up issue. If I'd only read rot wo- if I'd only read this, if yeah. I'd only come straight in this cold, I wouldn't have known what the hell was going on. And I probably would have had a much more negative opinion of it yeah. than I actually do now that I've read them all. Because Animal Man and Swamp Thing were both quite good. I think I preferred Animal Man yeah. to Swamp Thing, although I did vacillate on that as I was reading it there were times when Swamp Thing was better than Animal Man Animal Man was always under Swamp Thing's shadow I think until it ended and then Animal Man became really good why do you think that? I just think it was because reading them as a double bill you're always going to pick one you prefer over the other but even though I did read it like that, I yeah. read it, you, you just dumped them all on me. And said, yeah. I've even put them in order for your dad. And I, I was like, do you okay. know? Do you know how much effort I've put no, into No, I, I appreciate <laughs> that you put them in order for me, and I appreciate the effort you went to. But when I was reading it, one of the things that did strike me was they were both parallel. Yeah. They were clearly parallel stories, the red and the green. And I actually thought it was quite a clever piece of plotting. Yeah. That whoever was writing this, is this Jeff Lemire on Animal Man? Yeah. And Scott Snyder on Swamp Thing, is that right? Yeah. They must have been working very closely together mm. because the themes of the individual issues would frequently cross over with each other. Yeah. Even though Animal Man and Swamp Thing, you could read them independently until you get to this point, mm. where if you're not reading one or the other, you're going to be completely lost. Yeah. But you could read them independently in the lead-up to Rot World, but if you were reading them together, thematically they showed a lot of similarities. Mm. And there is an awful lot of that. You can argue, although this starts Rot World with issue 12, I think you can argue an exceptionally easy case that Rot World essentially started with issue 1 of both series. 
But you complain that they don't end with the Rotten World. No, well, we'll get to that. Let's <laughs> let's not let's not ruin it for the lovely listener. Let's okay. not let's not spur them an Andy rant. Okay, okay. Because I don't do them that often, but when I do them, they're good. I like to think. Are they, are they really? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, but yeah, the first issue was good, and as I mentioned, Animal Man picks up were the previous issue left off straight away. Hmm. The Baker family are on the run and hiding out in motels. Again, you wouldn't have had any clue what all this was. Who the talking cat was, yeah. who's an avatar of the green. Red. Oh, the red, avatar of the red. red. Yeah, Swamp Thing's the green. Yeah. I did get a bit confused with that, but it's quite easy to remember, really, isn't it? Swamp Thing's green. Yeah. So, it's not that difficult, Andrew. Well I, done. You know, I just noticed the hotel they're staying at, and this one is called Swamp Water. Yeah, I noticed that. Swamp Water in. I thought that was quite clever. It was good. I, I didn't... I didn't have any problem with reading the lead up and to be fair it's not like you've made me read an old comic series it didn't take me that long to read 12 issues of Animal Man and 12 issues of Swamp Thing yeah they're not particularly wordy no but th- this one is because this one's a catch up yeah period. and this one's setting stuff up but for the most part they're quite easy to read yeah and it is one of those when I was reading it, and was, as we go further and further into the story, I stop having as many notes, because the issues just kind of blur into each other. Yeah. Because they are telling one story in a very linear fashion, eventually it becomes irrelevant whether it's an issue of Swamp Thing or whether it's an issue of Animal Man. I think they do split up and tell their own stories in the middle. Yeah, well, Swamp Thing and Animal Man split up. Yeah. But I don't think they're telling their own stories. They're telling the same story, but it's two different characters doing different things within it's that story. Sad, it's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yeah. Essentially what they're up to, why Thingio's off doing whatever he's doing. But it's the same thing. Yeah. And, yeah, because I, I asked you how this had been trade paperbacked. I, I, I don't think it has yet. Yeah, because so, I'm wondering how they're going to do this. Well, they've done stupid trade paperbacks for Throne of Atlantis and Death of the Family. Yeah, the, the Throne of Atlantis trades are weird. The Justice yeah. League one is missing two issues of Aquaman. Yeah. The Aquaman is missing two issues of Justice League. Yeah. So to get the complete crossover, you you've to got to buy both. two big hardcovers. Yeah. Both of which have four issues in that you've got in the other hardcover. Yeah. So It's I, better to buy the single issues. At that, at that, in that particular instance, yeah, it was better to buy the singles. Because mm. the trades are just screwed. You know, though, at some point they will do an omnibus of all the Throne of Atlantis. You keep saying that, but I they haven't right. done so far for well, any of the new It's not out in paperback yet. That's what, they will wait for it to be out in paperback, and then they'll... They have done New 52 omnibuses, haven't they? Death of the Family is an omnibus. It's not. Death of the Family has all the tie-ins and the issues of Batman no, in it. No, it doesn't. Does it not? It only has uh, all the Batman stuff in. No, it, I'm sure it doesn't. No, it does. I was looking at it the and other day. And then they've got the Joker, Death of the Family, which contains... I was looking at Joker, Death of yeah, the Family. That contains That's got some issues about Most there. of the crossovers in. The crossovers that aren't collected are in their own respective collections. That's just very strange. And also expensive. I, I do suspect that Buddy leaves here because he's had enough of the mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> she really gets on your nerves. Yes, she's really not very pleasant. And um, There's a bit in the middle of it where Cliff's pretending to be ill. Well, he's not pretending, yeah. but you know what I mean. So she goes off to the bathroom to get him a, a cold compress for his head. And reading this, I was going, how stupid are you? He's not going to be there when you get back. And lo and behold, she walks back <laughs> into the room and kills surprise, he's not there. Yep. So, and then she disappears from the story, thankfully. For the most part. Yeah, so I was quite she glad comes to back see, later. Quite glad to see the back of her. Mm. Narky mother-in-law that she 
the cat is my favourite character in the issue. Do you want to tell the lovely listeners who the cat is? Because he's so, not lying, cat. No, isn't he called Ignatius or something? He's Ignatius P something or other, isn't he? Yeah, who used to be um, one of the totems of the Red, but turned into a normal cat size to help Maxine learn the true powers of the Force. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> She's so, quite go- he's quite gone Jim. Yeah, he's quite gone Jim. She's anarchy. Yeah. Uh, only not as moody. And, um... It's essentially he's a cat that can talk, yeah. but he's a cat. Yeah. So there are times where he's like, stop bugging me, I'm missing my afternoon nap. Mm. <laughs> Which was quite funny, I like the cat. Constantly banging on about she's the only in the form of a cat. Yeah. But she acts like a cat all the time. Uh, missing my mid, <laughs> I'm missing my mid-afternoon nap. Or the bit with the food. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very good. There's an absolutely awful DC Comics cover girl statues, absolutely hate that Harley Quinn outfit. Oh, yeah. Harley Quinn would not wear a busty ear, hot pants, and thigh-high stockings. Don't she's got the moments better. I like the cartoon one. Mm. You know, sexy can be completely covered up <laughs> as well as showing lots of white flesh. But that's that's just me. They do do a good job in this one. Like you said, this one's a bit wordier than most issues. They do bring the readers up to speed with the plot quite well. I didn't need it, because you'd made me read the 12 issues beforehand. Yeah. Um, Adverts-wise, before Watchmen, do you remember when that was a thing? <laughs> I just I just find that cover quite funny. Did that... Did before Watchmen do anything? No. Did it not? No, Watchmen sold. Well, Watchmen did, yes. Yeah, really well. So DC finally got the rights to it, and went, hey, you know what we can do with this? Try and make more money. I don't mind them trying to make money. They're a business, but did did before Watchmen do anything? Because nope. it seems like there was this flurry of publicity about it. In fact, there's numerous adverts in this comic for it. Not the Darwin Cook one, sadly, which is the only one I had, I had any interest in reading. Yeah, um... And then it just seemed to disappear. Darwin Cook did one, and Darwin Cook and Amanda Connor did one. But did it... Has it just gone away? Did it? Was it not? Did it not perform? Well, did we've, it, see, we've seen it in 50p bins. We have seen it in 50p bins. That's very true. Yeah. And it was Zero Month, which interrupted this storyline. Good planning on behalf of of DC Editorial. It kind of works into it. I didn't read the Zero issues. Amethyst! You didn't read them at all? No. You told me I could skip them, so I just read the story. And because I've carried on reading Swamp Animal Man, I've never gone back and read them. Um, I presume you'll tell me about them. I will, yeah. Yeah, that's alright then. They're not that important, but they are kind of helpful. Yeah, like in the Swamp Thing one, you learn that Anton Arcane caused the fire that killed Alec Holland. And in Animal Man, you learn that the aliens that Grant Morrison introduced were working for the Red. Were they? Yeah. Right. And so they, the whole alien ship crash landing was only a narrative that would help Buddy accept becoming Animal Man. So just the zero issue. Yeah. And there's an advert for Burn Notice, which is now finished. Yes. That was good, that. Next week? <laughs> oh no, it's 13 more issues. Yeah, yes, there is. Oh, right. That we've crammed into 10 pages. That we've crammed into 10 pages. Well, we did very well. Swamp Thing 12 is called Rot World Prologue Part 2. Yes. Very prosaic with these titles. <laughs> Aren't they? Very uh, original. The only one titles. that has an original title is the last issue of Swamp Thing. Yeah, which doesn't even. Isn't even called a chapter of Rot World! <laughs> but we'll get into that later on. 
Part two was by Snyder and Lemire with art by Marco Rudy. Yeah, as we mentioned, it's basically a poster cover. It's Swamp Thing and Abby posing with big guns, and it links up to the cover of Animal Man 12 very well. Mm-hmm. That's makes quite a nice little poster, that, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it's probably helped by having one artist lay it out. Mm. Whilst the three fight off the rotlings, Buddy and Swampy fight the unmen before heading deeper into the rot. They jump down further and grab onto a ladder made of bones that takes them down deeper. Anton Erkane follows them and cuts the vine that was acting as a lifeline. <laughs> Without it, the two have no way of escaping from the rot. Abby says that she knows where the Parliament of Decay is, and if she can stop them, then she can stop the rot. As Buddy and Swampy fall deeper into the rot, Anton says that time moves differently in the rot. In the amount of time they've been in it, a year has passed in the real world. They crash into a world where the rot has already won. Uh, it carries on straight from Animal Man issue 12. Absolutely no concession is given to people who are only reading one title. I can never decide if this pisses me off or not. Well, it says part two on the cover. Yeah, and see, on the one hand, the books have both been linked since the beginning. Yeah. So it's not like DC kept it a secret. But on the other, it's not like these are Batman or Superman titles where they're following the same family of characters and crossovers are now expected. Technically, Animal Man and Swamp Thing are two completely separate books. Yeah. And there is a part of me that thinks it's milking it a little bit for them to both be so interlinked. Mm. But they've done a good enough job with it. Yeah. Well, and when Rock World came out, I was like, oh, thank God, I, I stuck with both books. Well, I did. Yeah, they do. If you read both of them, they do come to a head quite nicely. Yeah. And like I said, the to writers... To the point where you need to be reading both of them. Yeah. The, I mean, the story to this is okay. The writers have done a really good job. They must have been working together. This one is credited to both of them, isn't it? So is the first one. This, These first two parts are credited to Snyder and, and Lemire. The last two are. And the last two are credited to both of them as well. So, after a year's worth of build-up, the story kicks off, only to be interrupted next week by Zero Month. <laughs> Foolish editorially mandated stunt interrupts ongoing plotline. Yep. Which is a shame. In many ways. It kind of was, but... <laughs> Um, there was an annual out as well, and when when you carry it, when it came out, when we got back to reading Rock World, uh, Rock World you're like, oh yeah, this is a thing. <laughs> oh yes, I remember. The, we're in the middle of this intricate storyline we've been planning for <laughs> over a year, and suddenly there's a zero month, and suddenly there's an annual. And, oh yeah, we're back at Rock World. I completely <laughs> forgot we were reading this. Yeah, um, Animal Man 13 kicks off the Red Kingdom Part One. Um, you know, they also did Frankenstein tied into this as well. Was Frankenstein still running at this point? Yeah. There was something had the Green Kingdom, um, Animal Man had the Red Kingdom, and Frankenstein had Secrets of the Rot, but you never bought me Frankenstein because you said, no, they're just milking this crossover <laughs> for everything it's worth. You mean Andrew turns his back on them because they have a crossover that goes into other titles that you never normally read? <laughs> I'm shocked! Yep. by that revelation that I don't just blindly buy everything that's part of a crossover because the company wants me to I'm appalled that I am not a sheep I'm appalled that I am not a slave to Dio's whims were the crossovers for Death of the Owls any good I don't know did it read them you should actually <laughs> and Death of the Family didn't read them either Blackest Night never had the crossovers of that either alright but what I'm saying is, the Night of Owls crossover did really well. Alright, one. 
one. one. Secret Wars <laughs> 2 was the last time I think I read any number of crossover one, one issues. One out of ten. One out of ten ain't bad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Tell us about Animal Man 13. Interesting cover, Animal Man 13. Animal Man is fighting the desiccated corpse of Hawkman. Desiccated coconut. <laughs> Put the lime in the coconut. It's, it's a good cover. Yeah. And it's another poster cover where the background is lots of denizens of the rot. Yeah. That will happen a lot more as we go along. Do you know the importance of him landing in that zoo? What is the importance of him landing in that zoo? That's where the hunters were born in the first issue. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. Right. Clever. Mm. Clever piece of tying in. Like it. After crashing down and coming to his senses, Animal Man is attacked by what was once Hawkman. Hawkman is the upper hand over Animal Man until he is rescued by Black Orchid, Beast Boy and Steel. After telling them who he is, the three decide to take him with them. On the way, they tell him that the Rot attacked a year ago and killed almost everybody. They arrive at the Red Kingdom, a safe place for people and animals, made up of what used to be the Totems of the Red until they sacrificed their lives and energy to create it. The Buddy meets Shepard from the Red and John Constantine. Constantine tells him that the Rot has already won and it's all his fault, and Swamp Things too, for not being there to stop it. Because of him, his family is dead. Back in the present, Ellen sees that Cliff is missing and goes to look for him. After hours of looking, she finds him in the road, possessed. Living goo of the rot leaves his mouth and enters Ellen's, possessing her too. Yeah. Uh, That's also the goo that attacks Buddy later. Yes. It all ties in very well. It's very well plotted. I quite like that. One of the things that I do wish I'd kept a running total of when we were going through the issues, but it's only something I noticed as I was reading through them all. They really are very fond of decapitations. (laughs) The drinking game. Yeah, I wish I'd kept a decapitation count. My favourite is near the end where Frankenstein gets his sword and he cuts... What's a face up? Yeah, he cuts Wonder Woman. Yeah, chest. Right, he cuts down from the top of us because he cuts the front of her face off. He cuts her from the neck, but going down. Yeah, so he says he cleaves her in half. Yeah, but at an angle. From the top, at an angle. Yeah, it's it's a little bit gross. Yeah. When you see it in comic form. When it happens in sports, because I think it's hysterical. (laughs) When it happens in a comic, I'm looking at it going, that's a little bit gross. It's weird, that, isn't it? Yeah, well, because there's a picture, so you can keep on looking at it. Oh, but in the Spartacus one, I'll tell you this, he cuts the front of the guy's face off. Right. And as he falls to the floor, his brain falls out. (laughs) (laughs) Which wouldn't happen, because he steps to the spine. But it was funny. Oh, mindless violence always amusing <laughs> on television. Unless it's in comics. Unless, it's not so much that. It's just you, you start getting to the point where you become really desensitised to it. Yeah. And I did get to the point where as we got to the back end of these issues where I was like, oh, look, another decapitation. But it's like watching Walking Dead. It's really gross when you start off, but then you find yourself eating your tea whilst watching it. Oh, no, some of The Walking Dead is still gross. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some of it's with The Walking Dead though. It's more the sound effects, yeah, more than the visuals. They do seem to go to great effort to go <laughs> <laughs> sound effects as they're digging things into their eyeballs and squidging. Yeah, it's, it's the sound more than anything. Uh, Buddy and Swamp Thing. I refuse to call him Swampy. <laughs> I do apologise. When, when, when you write in the synopsis, it's just a lot easier to call him Swampy than Swamp Thing. Yeah. Uh, post-apocalyptic futures are always fun, especially when they're also an alternate reality. So when Buddy's running around this commandy-like scenario, we like him. 
I'm wondering what the hell's going on, especially with Steel Black Orchid and some red dude shows up. My only problem with this, reading this for the first time, I got to this point and thought, right, so we're just going to get a reset button at the end of this then, aren't we? Mm. There is no way this future's going to stand at the end of this story. So it obviously has to be all undone. Which kind of goes into what we were discussing a couple of weeks ago about, alright, so if you know the ending, does that make the journey any less enjoyable? Mm. And I don't think it did. Because I've got to be honest with you, if you had that philosophy, you'd never watch any serialised television show. Yeah. doesn't matter how good a certain show, even Breaking Bad, doesn't matter how good Breaking Bad is, you know Walter's going to be alive next week. Yeah. Until you get to the end of the show. Yeah. And they may or may not kill him. I'm not spoiling Breaking Bad for people. Even then, I was kind of second-guessing it. See? So even... So... You can't go into something and not know a little bit about it. Like, you go into this, they're not going to kill Buddy. Yeah. So, me figuring out that at some point they're going to have to press the reset button didn't ruin the enjoyment of the story for me. Mm. Steel is apparently now a complete robot. Yeah. He's downloaded his mind into an AI, and his body is presumably a servant of the rot. Or he ki- No, he killed it, didn't he? Yeah. He killed his own body, so the rot didn't get it. Black Orchid... Well, I don't know her deal at all. She... This was at the time of the... Jeffrey was doing Justice League Dark. Right, so, so was she a character in that? In the same universe, yeah. Right. Uh, John, she's working for Steve Trevor and Argus, and John Constantine's like, nah, come with us, he's, he's a bit of an asshat, join us instead. See, I never read Justice League Dark. And to be, to be fair, he doesn't really explain who Black Arcade is in this story. Well, it was one of those things where it exists in the same universe, so it doesn't matter if you know who she is or not. No, it, again, it didn't really spoil my enjoyment of it. Uh, the red guy turns out to be Garfield Logan, a.k.a. Beast Boy. Firstly, when did they go back to the rather stupid name Beast Boy? With the animated cartoon. Was it? Because yeah. when I read, when I was reading Teen Titans, he changed it to Changeling, which was a much better name. Which was something you were complaining at when we were watching the cartoon. Was it? Well, at least I'm consistent <laughs> yeah. in my complaining. Whether in my you, grumpy you old madness. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't remember. I don't even remember watching any of those cartoons. That was the Puffy Amiyumi one. Oh, Team Titans, yep. go! That I remember one. the theme tune. Mm. Yeah. Alright, okay, fair enough. Seems to me it's a retrograde step, but whatever. Why is he red? New 52. He used to be green. Now he's red. And is that it? I'm just supposed to accept <laughs> now that he's red as an explanation. I, I haven't read Teen Titans, so that's what I just Alright, so it may have been explained in Teen Titans. You're not yeah. actually saying now he's red is the legitimate explanation. Because mm. I was reading this going, why is he not on Swamp Thing's side? <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get over the fact that Chains Link, sorry, Beast Boy, was, uh, was, was now red. Well, because he's an animal. Well, he can become an animal. He's not actually an animal. Yeah, but can he become a plant? I don't think he can become a plant. Well, there we go, so we should be on the red. Alright, yeah, alright, I can accept that. See, I can accept that. Yeah. I have no problem with that argument. That argument's like, yeah, okay, I'm down with that, fair enough. Uh, John Constantine, of course, survived, because he's John Constantine. And because Jeff Lemire was trying to yeah. just leave even, even if he's a pale reflection of John Constantine. Uh, in fact, Constantine was the one thing that I had the most problems with. In this? In this particular issue. I kind of got over it yeah. as we're going along, but his speech patterns are too stereotypically English. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Who's, who's writing this one? Is it Jeff Lemire? Yeah. Is he American? 
Canadian. Is he? Yeah. Right, because I've noticed before when Americans try to write British people, they overuse bloody. Yeah. And they put it in the wrong places. Basically, it's interchangeable with the word, the F word. Yeah. I was just going to say it. Which, which on Call of Duty the other day, you you took the mick out of the use on that as well. Yeah, they put it in the wrong place. Yeah. They seem to think we use it every other word, which is not true. It's a swear word. We use it as punctuation. Yeah. <laughs> or we use it as as the F word is used. We don't we don't bloody say bloody every bloody word because that's not bloody how we bloody talk. <laughs> that's not right. Yeah. So And it seems to me that's what they're doing with him. They're just slipping it in every other word because they don't actually know how it's used. Well... The Milligan suffered that problem as well when he started... Hey, Milligan's British though, isn't he? Yeah, but when he started Justice League Dark, he was writing John Constantine as though he was an American writer to try and bring everything into the New 52. So that's why when Lemire steps on, it's not as big as a character shift. Right. Because Milligan really wasn't on his A-game for Justice League Dark. Do you think he didn't want to do it? It, it read that way. Right. It read like he was trying to bring back the Vertigo heyday of the 90s. But Jeff Lemire's run on it was really good, and once you accepted that this is a new Constantine, it just rolls better. And then Constantine came out, and you... Yeah, you just can't go on anymore. <laughs> well, they misuse mate as well, yeah. don't they? He overuses that an awful lot. I mean, yes, it is a speech idiom. Mm. But it is possible to overdo it. Yeah. And I think in these issues, these early issues, they kind of calm down a bit as they go on. The less he's in it. The le- well, no, not so much that. It's kind of like, you do want to send them a swear book and say, this is where we use those words. The British swear book. Yeah. There'll be some cracking words in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no one else in the world would know what they meant. Oh, dear me. Kind of wish you can get away with in a Star Wars novel. <laughs> yeah, bollocks. The android. <laughs> I totally can't believe Brian Daly got away with that. Yeah. Changed to Zollux in the, in the British printings, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Very funny. I'd probably read that just because of the use of <laughs> um, Swamp Thing issue 13 was the Green Kingdom part 1. Which has an arrow advert. Yeah, don't we just like that? Plastered all over the top of the cover. I did those did, banners. Yeah. When Man of Steel came out, they did the same thing. Did they do yeah. a Dark Knight Rises as well? Yeah. The the one that I hate the most is an issue of something. I think it's issue seven. It's got the best cover of the entire series. And it's ruined by a banner on top of it. It's not, it won't be an arrow. Probably a Dark Knight Rises one. It's, the, it's that um, charity the teamed up with. And oh. So you kind of like it's charity. Yeah, you kind of like it's a charity, so okay. But at the same time, you're ruining my cover! So I went ahead and bought the A3 print of that cover instead. And got thing you to sign it. I did, you? yeah. You got Jeff Lemire to sign it. No, really? Yannick Paquette. Yannick Paquette. When did we see him? Uh, it wasn't last year, I was here before. Was that Thought Bubble as well? Yeah. That's yeah, worth going to Thought Bubble. It is, yeah. Mark Wade as well. Uh, Dead Man shows up on the cover, as does Poison Ivy, who now wears more clothes than Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Which is nice, because presumably it's cold in the woods. Uh, I don't know what her clothes are made of. It looks like bark. But by the time we get to the splash page, she's going to get splinters where the sun don't shine. Yeah. The way that's riding up her front passage. Well, this is a completely different costume to what she has in the DC universe. Well, it will be, because this is an alternate future. Yeah. So I don't mind that, but it does look like it's made of tree bark. Yeah. So having it riding up her so high, that that presumably is not going to be comfortable. Maybe she's wearing very, very small underwear. 
It would have to be very, very small underwear. <laughs> Made of leaves. It, I mean, on the cover, it's not quite as ridiculous. Yeah. With the caveat that it's still ridiculous. Mm. But on the, fir- the front panel, it's almost camel toe. Isn't it? Yeah. But with tree bark, you're like, that would hurt, <laughs> surely. Poison Ivy, she's one with the plant. She's one with the plant world. Yeah, yeah. Right, fair enough. Swamp Thing's covers are better. Do you know, Swamp Thing with those antlers reminds me of Hearn the Hunter from Robin of Sherwood. Okay. You probably don't know what Robin of Sherwood is, no? Okay, fair enough. Um... Yes, written by Scott Snyder with art by Yannick Paquette, Swamp Thing finds himself at the wrong side of Poison Ivy's sword, with Dead Man behind her. According to Ivy, Alec Holland and Buddy Baker disappeared a a year ago, leaving the green and the red to fall to the rot. Swamp Thing tries to convince her, but Ivy doesn't believe him until Dead Man possesses him to find out that he is who he says he is. Convinced after being tied up by Swampy's roots in a panel that looks like Yannick Paquette really enjoys drawing it, <laughs> Ivy tells him that the Parliament of Trees is right behind them, on the top of a giant stalk in the middle of the Deadlands that used to be the Swamp. Apart from the Red, the Parliament of Green's home is the last living place on Earth and houses all of the Green's forces, the Parliament themselves. The stork is attacked by Rotlings and the Teen Titans, so Ivy releases the army of not-quite-swamp-things, and as they fight, the Parliament decide not to tell Swampy of what happened to Abigail. That on the plane to the Parliament of Decay in Europe, she was attacked by the Rot, and the plane went down into the mountains. Um, We've mentioned before the parallel where the stories are playing out is really quite good. A lot of coordination must have have gone into it. I'm, I'm really liking the art, particularly the panel layouts, which could be confusing, especially when they do lots of double page panels where the, there are no actual panels. No. It's all, it's very arty in how it's been created, which presumably explains why you like it <laughs> as much as you do. But the art is really good. It is the best art in both of the titles, which is why it's such a it's so annoying when you get to the next issue yeah. and it's another artist. Well, and the end but we'll get to that when we get to the, the end the last yeah. issue but then the very last issue is really good no no the very last issue that's labelled finale is that the one that you're talking no, about no the very last Swamp Thing issue right right not the, the one that's called Rot World finale which is, therefore you would be led to believe would be the finale of Rot World it is the finale of Rot World but we'll, we'll no it isn't when we get to it <laughs> Anyway, yeah, the art, there's a lot of abstract, arty stuff in it, but to their credit, it's never confusing to read it. It's really nice when they do the, the green stuff, when he's, he's, he's actually within the green, and they do the panels where it's all plants. Yeah, and the Abbey Arcane flashbacks are really quite cool. Oh, yeah. And very gripping. And there's, there are, there's the lovely... Uh, there's the splash page. The splash page. The middle centre double page. Yeah. Sorry. Not the splash page is is absolutely fantastic. So much so your mum commented on the art. Your mum doesn't really care when I'm reading comics. Yeah. She'll look at it and go, "Oh, that's nice." <laughs> or occasionally she'll look at it and go, "God, that's terrible." Yeah. And she will rip something to some hot artist, and she will rip it to bits. When the anatomy is just completely wrong, you couldn't do that with a leg. Like when we're on the train, and she's like, "Why, why don't they all stand like that?" It's yeah. Jim Leo. <laughs> yeah. Why are they all just posing? I don't <laughs> yeah. understand it. Why don't they stand like normal people? Yeah. And me and you are both just going, "That's how Jim Lee draws things." He said, yeah. "If you stood like that all the time, you." have a sore back. Adam's still like that all the time with the traffic lights. <laughs> like 
Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. But so so he, your mum likes the artwork in this as well. It's not the standard comic book layout. Certainly, this centipede is a piece of art. Yeah. I'd argue with anyone that this is art. The images all blend into each other rather than being standard panels. But like I say, I. It's a testament to the artist and the people who place the word balloons. Yeah. Because it's the word balloons that you follow in. And they're very easy to follow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Whoever's placed these balloons has done an excellent job with it. Mm. Because it means, although I keep coming back to this double page spread in the middle, although that is very definitely swaying from one side to the other, you're reading it across and then back and across and then back, aren't you? Yeah. It never gets confused as to what you're looking at. It's really very well done. I like the art a great deal in these issues. Mm. I do sometimes think, though, that post-apocalyptic future visions exist only to show beloved characters being killed off in the most gruesome manner possible. Yeah. There's no way you'd, you'd get to rip off Supergirl's head normally. And Gigantus just there being eaten. Yeah, Giganta. I mean, I don't want to know what that guy there is doing looking underneath a skirt <laughs> or a loincloth. Or whatever. And I like that Swamp Thing can fly. Yeah. And Dead Man's like, ooh, that's new. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's quite cool. Quite good, that one. Do you, do you not get to the point though, with the Abigail backup bits? They all had the same yeah. cliffhanger. Yeah, is, is Abby dead this week? Find <laughs> out next month. Is Abby dead this month? Yeah, and then it eventually shows up that here he is holding Abigail's decapitated head. Wait, yeah. So not only do you get a, is Abby dead this month yet <laughs> ending, you also get oh look, decapitation count. <laughs> that that got me right where it was. I, I was quite fond of Abby. Oh, she'll get better. Yeah. It's well, comic. she gets better until she gets you. better and then kind of doesn't. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, we're going to ruin the ending for you anyway, so you've subscribed yeah. to that, haven't you? Um, Animal Man 14 was the Red Kingdom Part 2. Uh, the cover is people being eaten by rock world monsters. It's very similar to that old Hellblazer cover by Glenn Fabridge. You know that thing? The Which one where Constantine was just being pulled into the skeletons. And you could just see his face and his hand reaching out towards you. Oh, yeah. Reminded me of that one. It's Animal Man being haunted by rock world monsters. This you know will it, become a recurring motif. You know what it reminds me of? Well, the cover to Animal Man 15. <laughs> yes! Because yes. I read your notes and it is exactly the same. It, it is It is exactly the same. Animal Man 15 is Animal Man and Black Orchid. Black Orchid in the foreground being eaten. Being, being Animal eaten by Man rushing to monsters. And then issue 16 is... Slightly different. It's Green Lantern in the foreground being eaten by rock world monsters. <laughs> yeah. Variations on a theme. I think Steve Pugh just had a picture on a light box and just <laughs> drew over it differently every day. It's, it's entirely possible, yeah. Uh, in the rock world, the Red Kingdom is attacked by Felix Faust and the Rotlings, including Deathstroke, Grifter, and Hawk and Dove. During the fight, Buddy learns that Faust willingly gave himself to Arcane and that he's not the only one who's done so. They fight the attackers until Faust tells Buddy that he's only there to tell him a message. They have Maxine in Arcane's castle, and he teleports away. Buddy decides to head to the castle with Steel, Black Orchid, Beast Boy, and a reluctant John Constantine behind him. On the way, they decide to rest in Central City, where they are mentally attacked by Gorilla Grodd and his army. In the present, Ellen and Cliff, possessed by the rot, infect Ellen's mum, and the three chase Maxine and the cat Socks. She runs away and hides, where Sox tells her that the only way she can stop them is to kill them. She carries on running where she finds a small boy hiding in a destroyed diner. He tells her that his name is William Arcane. Um, Steve Pugh takes a couple of pages off. 
for reasons that I don't quite understand, because it's only like, what, 13, 14, 15, it's only six pages. He did on the issue prize. Uh, and the art in this one, on those six pages, by a guy called Timothy Green, which I thought was funny, because surely he'd have been much more suited to doing Swamp Thing. Yeah. But that's, that's just what I thought. It, this carried on until Steve Pugh left the book. He'd do... He like, wouldn't do all 22 pages. No, he'd do segments of it, like... In this, he does the Rot World stuff. Yeah, and not Timothy the... Green does the present-day stuff. Baker family stuff. And then in the next batch of stories, there's a completely different artist for an entire issue, which is the second part of Buddy's Mover. Mm. And then he'd do the main story, and another artist would do Maxine's little subplot. Right. I get a very P. Craig Russell vibe from this Timothy Green fella. Mm. Have you ever done anything before? No, I don't think so. Right. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Maxine is extremely advanced for a four-year-old. We said that last time. Did we? The last time we covered Animal Man. Her speech and her intelligence, her decision-making abilities, sorry. There's no way in hell she's four. To be fair, there is an an in-story explanation. Her connection to the red, according to the cat, Ignatius P, whatever his name is, has made her smarter than the average burr, but most of the time, I think they just forget how old she's supposed to be. I just put her a little bit older and just ignore when they outright say how old she is. Yeah, there's no way in hell she's four. I'm yeah. sorry that, that that ain't happening, that she's only four years old. Good fight scenes this time round, and they manage to talk a lot whilst fighting, which is always a good way of delivering exposition. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a big fight and at the same time explain the plot, Basil Exposition. Okay, <laughs> seems like a good plan to me. Um, I think this was around the point that I accepted that my John Constantine was gone and the one who wields magic like it's his green lantern ring whilst hanging around with other superhero is here to stay yeah isn't he the John Constantine who became a superhero yeah there were moments where his appearances kept taking me out of the story but like I said as we go along I got kind of more and more used to him mm. which is not me accepting banality and mediocrity it's just going, well, all right, this story's okay. This guy's pretending to be John Constantine. <laughs> Can I pretend it's his son or something? It's not actually John. James Constantine. Yeah. Or John Constantine Jr. Yeah. It's the kiddie cartoon version. <laughs> you know, like when <laughs> it he is actually. in the Happy Days gang. Hey, with Ms., Ms., Mr. Cool, the dog. Yeah. The kiddie cartoon version of Happy Days with Cupcake, the time-travelling alien, <laughs> who fit perfectly into the Happy Days milieu. This is the Saturday morning cartoon version of John Constantine. It, it actually is, yeah. And it works quite well. Uh, and I love Gorilla Grodd. I love Maller and the Brain. I love Maller and the Brain. Yeah, I think Maller and the Brain are brilliant. Always I remember them. them from when they were in the Teen Titans cartoon. Yeah, they were in the comics, in the Teen Titans comics, the 80s one. Um, he says bow before Grodd. When he really should have said kneel before Grodd. Yeah. That would have been much funnier. But I think they do say kneel before Grodd later, don't they? In the next issue. Yeah, when I was doing the notes, I hadn't read on. But yeah, okay. Uh, Next up is Swamp Thing 14, The Green Kingdom Part 2. The cover Swamp Thing on a boat, fighting a giant water beastie. It's a Conan cover. Yeah, isn't it? Swamp Thing the Barber. Yeah, that is such a... And given that later on we get Swamp Thing as Batman, yeah. this actually fits in with the whole the whole storyline. I like that. The Swamp Thing covers are better than the Animal Man ones, in terms of at least they're not all exactly the same. I'd, I'd go as far as to argue Yannick Paquette's a better artist than Steve Pugh. You think? Yeah. I don't think there's a lot in it, art-wise. But, I, I, yeah, I do think Yannick Paquette's design and layouts... 
are yeah. certainly more visually interesting. Steve Pugh would get better near the end of his run. I I barely recognised him as Steve Pugh. Yeah. Uh, when I was looking at it, I was going, is this the guy who used to draw Animal Man in the 90s? Mm. After Morrison left, and um, who was writing it after Morrison? Delano. Yeah, Jamie Delano. And Milligan. The Jamie Milligan did it straight after. No, Jamie Delano did it first, didn't he? Um, no, Milligan did six did Milligan issues. Do, oh, Milligan Delano. did six issues, then Delano. Yeah. And then didn't Milligan come back? I think so. Or did, was he doing shit the changing map? That was before Animal Man, was, was it? Was it? I don't remember the timelines. Anymore. Animal Man was 89. It may have been to him. No, Shade the Changing Man was a Vertigo book, so that'll have been mid, no, mid to early a, 90s. It was a mature titles, and then it became Vertigo. Right, so just did, like Sandman. Did that become... Right, okay. Fair deuce. All right, tell us what happens in this one. The Green Forces do the best to repel the Teen Titans and the Rot, but are losing the fight. The Parliament tell Alec that here, he has all the power of the Green at his disposal, and he turns into a giant swamp thing. In one crushing blow, he crushes the titans under his foot, leaving the surviving rotlings to flee. Ivy tells them that they should check up on the parliament, but Swampy makes her tell him where Abby is. They tell him that she died in Europe on her way to the parliament of decay, but Alec doesn't believe her because he can still feel her, and the parliament mention a memory, a memory that they had been keeping from him. A long time ago, Alec visited Arcane's castle in Europe to try and help bring life into the town that had no greenery due to the radiation from Soviet testing. He found a new type of flower and upon investigating, met Abigail Arcane for the very first time. As they walked around town, she mentioned that she's missing some of her memories and that her uncle told her it could be due to the radiation. Before they split up, Alec dropped some foxglove seeds into the river. Later, he met Anton himself in disguise for the first time. He noticed in his research that he believed the plant he found was harmful to humans in several ways, one of them being memory loss. Anton told him that the flower is a plant of the rot and controlled it to tie him up, ready to kill him before he can become fully aware of his connection to the green. The foxglove seeds grew plants that formed a huge swamp thing that stopped Arcane and rescued Alec, carrying him all the way back to America and dropped him off with a person working for the Green, Jason Woodrum. In the rot world, Swampy vows to kill Arcane for killing Abby and leaves. Deadman follows and tells him about a weapon in Gotham that can challenge the rot. On the way there, he collapses and becomes his normal size again before they reach a river that will lead them to the ocean and Gotham's coast. He creates a boat and on the way they are attacked by rotlings. After fending them off, Swampy notices something below them before it towers above them, William Arcane and his pet, Starro. <laughs> Which is good. In the present, Abby survived the crash and infiltrates the old, her old hometown. After managing to avoid the locals, she sneaks into the castle, where she's greeted by Anton. Giant-sized Swamp Thing isn't as funny as Giant-sized Man Thing. Swamp Thing isn't as funny as Man Thing. <laughs> I've got a Giant-sized Man Thing. I've got a Giant-sized Swamp Thing. That not work as well, does it? No. no, you could get a joke about that. Um, it's it's alright. Abby and Alex's parallel dreams are well realised. The artwork's very nice. Dead Man doesn't really do much. But I kind of like seeing him. Although there's a part of me that wishes that Dead Man had stopped when Dead Man's story finished. Yeah. Back in the 70s when Neil, Neil Adams was doing well, it. Well, he but. was very big in Brightest Day, and so he was very big in the New 52. In the New 52, is it still the original story? I don't know. That he was shot in the circus. 
Yeah, I think so, yeah. Right, but uh, so in the new 52, has he found his killer? I'm not sure. He, right. He's, from what I've read, they just not mentioned it, but he did his origin in the DC Presents. Oh, right, so they've essentially redone Dead Man. Yeah, but I, I read him in Justice League Dark. Right, okay, fair enough. Um, Secret War... Secret Wars... <laughs> Swamp Thing Annual Number One, Rot World Secrets of the Dead, also took place here. Which was the flashback. Which was the flashback that you incorporated into your synopsis, which I thought was quite well done. Very good, that. Uh, by and large, this has nothing to do with the main story. There's a framing sequence that places it clearly in between issue 13 and 14. But it's it a places flashback. it in between issue 14, it takes place in, in between pages. Which is why you put it in the middle of your 14 synopsis, which was quite clever. It was actually kind of good in the way that it wasn't important, but if you carry on reading Rockworld, you bring up bits and you're like, oh, that yeah, was... Yeah, it was, it was one of them, it's about how Alec and Abigail met when they were kids, and you can skip it and it doesn't matter. Yeah, but... But if you do read it, yeah. it just gives you a little bit of extra texture. these backup bits take yeah, place make in a little bit more sense. The flower bit as well. Yeah. And the art's really nice in it as well. Yeah. yeah. I didn't dislike reading it. Yeah. And I thought Scott Snyder did a pretty good job with the script, but... I don't know, I was kind of a bit miffed that that was labelled as an issue of Rockworld, yet the actual end of the story wasn't. We'll get to that <laughs> when we get there. What I find funny about this is uh, Becky Cloonan's art is really nice in it, but then we get to an issue later on where someone's trying to be Becky Cloonan. And fails. And yeah, the right. last issue or something. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that, no? <laughs> Um... Animal Man 15 is the Red Kingdom Part 3. I think it's at this point that all the covers are starting to look a little bit samey. Yeah. Animal Man, barely recognisable in his leather jacket and jeans ensemble. Cause, at least you know. he's putting a top on, because remember in the early issues of Animal Man... Yeah, he's just, just walking around with no, no top on all the time. He's wearing pants and that's it. Showing yeah. off his tattoos. He's being attacked by an agent of the rot, normally with an ally of some description it's here. Both Black Orchid and Steel helping out or being attacked, mix and match as appropriate I also keep thinking Black Orchid is Catwoman for some reason fair enough I don't know why she doesn't look anything like Neil Gaiman and Dave McKean's Black Orchid she does not look anything like that which is probably my only experience of Black Orchid yeah the Neil Gaiman Dave McKean stuff anyway as Steel is a cyborg he isn't affected by Gorilla's psychic attack and fights back Buddy uses the gorilla's strength and uh, to also fight back. And Brain is killed by Frankenstein and his patchwork army. After the gorillas are defeated, Buddy convinces Frankenstein to join them, but the Rot Kingdom is too well guarded for them to attack. According to Frankenstein, there is a rumour that Arcane is a powerful being imprisoned under Metropolis. If they can rescue them, they'll have a fighting chance at taking on Arcane. And so, believing that it's Superman, they head there. On the way there, Buddy sleeps in the back of a carriage and has a dream of his family and an undead cliff wearing an Animal Man costume. He is woken by Frank when they reach Metropolis and they search the plant-infested underground for the prisoner until they find him, a plant-based Green Lantern. In the present, William convinces Maxine that he used to be bad, but Alec and Abby made him see the error of his ways, and that he has been using his rot powers to help those possessed. Sox isn't convinced, but Maxine ignores him and follows William after he says he'd recently helped her, her family. She follows him to a shed where she is greeted by her family and the hunters too. Very good. And finally we get a meal before Grodd. Yes. On the first page of this issue. Is it obvious? Yes. <laughs> Is it satisfying? Absolutely. 
Um, I love Monsieur Marla. And the brain. <laughs> Always a big fan of the brain. So it's a shame that he gets a sword through him on page two. Yeah. That was the saddest death in the entire run. I, I find it funny how Beast Boy wears Mallow's beret for the, net, for the rest <laughs> of the story. After he kills him. Yeah. I like Monsieur Mallow. And the brain. Uh, the old Teen Titans by George Perez. They're uh, really good. I can't be the only one hearing Jerry Goldsmith's Planet of the Apes score, right? <laughs> when all the apes are attacking. Yeah. This is, the, this is the Battle of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> battle for the Planet of the Apes. Rock World of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Is that the sequel they didn't do? That's the sequel that they, they may still yet do it. <laughs> There's still time. So when we get footnotes nowadays, they reference the trade paperback yeah. rather than the issue that it actually happened in. That's why they don't do as many uh, thing, uh, footnotes now. They just wait until the trade's out and make a footnote to that. Is this not confirmation, though, that they're writing for the trade? Yeah, but, you know, you've got to blame the editor for them. I suppose it is the editor doing them. And um, See, I suppose on the one hand, it's the trade paperback that's easy to go and pick out, isn't it? Yeah. If you're not near a comic shop, you can pick the trade up on Amazon or... Like the Saga trade. Or digitally or, or whatever, so... I suppose it's kind of churlish to pick on them if it's the future, Jerry. Yeah. Isn't it? I like how the dream sequence mimics the first the issue. The first issue. And I love that he's got an Animal Man t-shirt on. I like the giant dog they have in the first issue. Yeah. It is very good parallel to issue one. And how at the end it's Cliff in the garden with all the skeletons. Yeah. Uh, as you as you mentioned, I love that Beast Boy is rocking the Che Guevara look mm-hmm. when he steals Monsieur Mahler's bebe. I did actually think that was funny. I like Frankenstein in it. Frankenstein's great. Frankenstein is really funny, yeah. Mm. Constantine's speech patterns are still irritating. <laughs> oh, blimey, up the apples and pears, governor, innit? No, you like... said it wrong. Cold, bloody blimey. Up Cold, the bloody, bloody blimey, up the bloody apples and bloody pears. <laughs> governor, cheeky, cheerful, cheerpy Cockney. <laughs> Danny Stenders. Danny Dyer. <laughs> I'd rather have Keanu Reeves than Danny Dyer as Constantine. Danny Dyer as John Constantine. That would be the <laughs> biggest train wreck that in the history of television. Yes, comic book reader suicide rates increased. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Danny Dyer. Attempts on Danny Dyer's life increased. I don't know which would be which. It does make you sound like a Cockney Yoda when he says, It's bloody well creepy it is. <laughs> Either that or I expected it to follow it up with Mr. Ickes. <laughs> It's absolutely shocking. It's the Murray Poppins version of John Constantine, isn't it? Dick Van Dyke is John Constantine. Dick Van Dyke is John Constantine. Cool, blimey! It's, it's bloody creepy, it's Swamp Thing. Oh, oh, come along, mate, animal man. Let's go to the shop, bloody, now. I need some bloody tobacco. <laughs> Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim chiroo. I'll chim do chimney. some magics and scare you. Chim bloody chimney. <laughs> oh, I do like taking the piss <laughs> out of John Constantine. <laughs> Sorry, Johnny Constantine. <laughs> Johnny Constantine is some. Johnny C. The, the filmation version of John Constantine. Crazy Johnny J. Crazy Johnny C. I don't know where J came. Crazy Johnny C. Jazzy Johnny C. And, and Sheila Booth. No, I am not fair. <laughs> Swamling 15, The Green Kingdom Part 3 has an excellent cover. Mm. Has a really fantastic cover. Swamp Thing takes the Batman's place, stood upon a building on Gotham, requisite gargoyle in shots as the Batman 
signal swoops behind. Swamp Thing's antlers are kind of a good substitute for bat's ears. The colouring stands out as well with the sunset oranges looking really lovely next to the darker foreground colouring. Absolutely stunning cover. Yeah. Love it. Love it a lot. Swamp Thing 15 has a change in artist with Marco Rudy taking over. Having defeated Starro, William sends more rot-possessed creatures after Swamp Thing, but in a desperate attempt, Deadman possesses William, short-circuiting both of them. <laughs> On his own, Swamp Thing makes his way to the Batcave, where he finds Batman. He finds out, however, a bit too late, that Batman is a rotling version and is attacked suddenly. Batman's head explodes from a shotgun blast fired by another bat. The bat helps him up to his feet and turns into Barbara Gordon. In the present, Anton shows Abby the clones of her he made and tries to make her forget everything about the green and Alec with the rot flower from her past. She fights back and remembers everything before seemingly killing Anton. She tries to escape but is attacked by more rotlings. Uh, I think this is the the point where I started having a few problems with Dead Man as well. In that he didn't, he doesn't feel like the same Dead Man. Mm. And I liked the ending of the seventies Dead Man strip, which a lot of people didn't like. That he was killed purely by accident. Yeah, they were meant to kill somebody else. I can understand why people wouldn't like that ending, mm. but it worked for me. Kind of like the Prisoner, quite a downbeat ending. <laughs> but it, this feels like a very different Boston brand. You know, it's the it's, I'd say it's the Jeff Johns dead man because he brought him back and made him really important with Brightest Day. Um, well, that was prior to New Fifty Two, so does that still hold or or what? I, 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 crisis. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, like you say, it may be a completely different dead man, and it may have a completely different backstory because we've not read enough to know mm. about this New Fifty Two guy. Not that this demeans his sacrifice. And, uh, Which I did like they set up in an earlier issue. Yeah, I mean, Dead Man essentially kills himself here, doesn't he? To he, help he the cause. If he tried to possess one of the Rotlings, then they both die. Yeah, but it, at least it gives him a chance, it gives Swamp Thing a chance to get where he's got to go. And then you read the next issue of Animal Man, you're like, didn't this kid die in the last issue? Yeah, the coordination was a bit off, though. I don't. Th- well, it's two different time zones, isn't it? Yes. Which was handled really well. That could have been confusing. The Max looks really good when we find out something that Buddy doesn't. Yeah. Mm. Or will find out in the future. Well, when we find out about her deal with the Rot, and Buddy rushes to Anton's castle believing that she's there, she is just... We know she's different. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I get what you say. Yeah. yeah. We, because of what happens in the past, we know what he's going to see. Yeah. Whereas he doesn't know that. Which makes it even worse yeah. when he does actually see Maxine at the end. I mean, despite the change, in, the artistic change in this one wasn't particularly jarring. And the artwork when he arrives in the Batcave, I thought, was, was absolutely stunning. Mm. I thought it was really, really good. I've really grown to quite like these abstract panel layouts. They're never too arty that you can't follow what's going on. But they're lovely to look at just as, as pieces of art. I'm not as fond as this artist, though. I, I will have complaints with a filling artist later yeah, on. My favourite so far has been what Frances- Francesco... Francesco Villachayeva. Yeah, or when he did the one of the two-part filler I- issues. Yeah. And his art was really cool, slasher horror-esque. 
I was seeing if his name was on a cover so we could pronounce his name properly, but it isn't. No. Never mind. Okay, shall we carry on? Uh, yeah. Animal Man issue 16 was The Red Kingdom, part cover Buddy and his chums have found a green lantern trapped in the rot it's good but it's another cover of Buddy and his mates and people from the rot yeah when Jay Lee despite your complaints about Jay Lee when he stepped on as cover artists it was a nice breath of fresh air well see my complaints about Jay Lee are not complaints about Jay Lee as an artist it's like he's a cover artist doing individual no 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 it's that he's not a Superman artist yeah He's probably perfectly suited to a Batman story. Yeah. But he's not a Superman artist. And see this book, Animal Man, is it Animal Man he takes over his cover on? Yeah. It's a Vertigo book. He will be perfectly suited to that. Mm. He would probably be perfectly suited to Swamp Thing, although probably not as good as Yank Paquette. Yeah. But he'd be suited to it. He's not suited to drawing Superman. Yeah. I don't dislike him as an artist. I don't look at him and go, My eyes are burning! Those feet! Yeah, I don't do that with him. Yeah. I just look at him and go, This isn't... This isn't suited well, to this material. You've only really seen him on Batman vs Superman, though. And Nemo. He did Nemo back in the 90s. Well, I mean, currently. Currently, I've only seen him on Batman and Superman, and I like his Batman much more than I like his Superman. Yeah. I don't like Superman being overly dark. Hmm. And he's he's a shadowy artist, isn't he? Yeah. So it would work for Batman or Swamp Thing, but not for Superman. Hmm. Um, the Green Lantern that they find is Medfil a plant-based Green Lantern who the Guardians assigned as the Earth's Green Lantern after seeing the rot take over. After freeing him, they find out where the plants that infest the city are coming from as they are attacked by Black Briar Thorn. During the fight, Buddy digs through the roots to find the man himself and separates him from the roots. They head back to the surface where Frankenstein is fending off rotlings and find the lantern in the Daily Planet Globe. They make their way to the Rock Kingdom in the centre of the Deadlands, but they're attacked by the Flash, who kills Constantine and thins down the patchwork army. The doors to the kingdom open to release thousands of Rotlings and the Justice League. The Hunters too tell Maxine that they know she is more powerful than them, and so they want to make a deal with her. If she joins them, then they let her family go, or she can refuse and they kill them. After William hurts Socks, Maxine agrees to the Hunter's deal and gives herself to them just as they let her family go to watch. Is Medfil a well-known Green Lantern? That's one you ever read him in this? <laughs> right, okay. I did just wonder if he was important to Green Lantern lore. Well, when I was reading this for the first time, I thought, oh, there's Green Lantern. What, who's this guy? Who's this bloke? Yeah, it's I wondered like that. The crushing disappointment when they think it's <laughs> Superman and they see Green Lantern would be fine if it was a well-known Green Lantern. Yeah, if it was a Green Lantern, you get even Gar Gardner. But then there's the crushing disappointment when you see it's Green Lantern, but it's just it, it's chip, an asparagus I'd head. I'd rather it be Chip than <laughs> asparagus head. There is nothing wrong with Chip. This is this is the guy who turned the Avengers into stone. <laughs> <laughs> it so is. It is asparagus guy. Yeah, I, I didn't know where, where were the Green Lanterns of Earth. Yeah. I find it a little hard to believe that they just left Plant Man here to defend the Earth, even if it does make sound tactical sense to have a plant-based life form reassigned to Earth to help out. So does this just mean Guy and Hal are off on other worlds? <coughs> I'm assuming so. Because they, they just don't get mentioned, do they? What I remembered was around this time, Green Lantern, Hal Jordan disappeared because of... Justice League controversy, so we two call the blame and book it off. I know, but no, no, it matters because this is an alternate timeline. It's not. It becomes an alternate timeline when they fix everything. Oh, 
Okay, alright, fair enough. So it still happened. <laughs> At the moment it still happened, but they make it an alternate timeline by yeah. the time we get to the end. Alright. But there is the question of what are all the other Green Lanterns Captain doing, but Edam. unless you just say they're off the Yeah, well, where's Guy and where's John Stewart? They're, they're in their own book adventures. So have, have the Green Lantern Codes reassigned them? I guess so. So they would just leave Earth, would they? You can't have four Green Lanterns on Earth, can you? You can't have four Green Lanterns in a Swamp Thing story. That's it. Is what you're it's saying. It's like when <laughs> stories like this happen, you always think, well, it wouldn't have happened if Superman was around, so you have to do something with Superman. Yeah. And they I'm, do address that with this. It does tie into the complaints about the Marvel movies that really start to f*** me off. Yeah. Like, were you watching Captain America 2 and you're going, well, where's Thor? Why did Iron Man not show up and help him? And I'm like, I don't think this when I'm reading the Captain America comic and Iron Man doesn't show up and help him. Why am I bothered when I'm watching the film? And it's like, I'm not bothered. Other people seem to be very bothered. The internet. Yeah, it's like, well, why did Iron Man not show up and help him? Because it's not an Iron Man movie! (laughs) The internet's just a complaint for him. Just let it go. Just ignore it, yeah. and you'll have a much happier life. Life, life would be happier without the internet. Yeah, but we won't be able to do this. <laughs> True. So you know, swings and roundabouts. Uh, I did like Black Briar, Black Briar Thorn. Sorry, don't throw me in the Black Briar pit. Uh, the Living City. He'd be quite a home on Ego, the Living Planet, wouldn't he? Yeah, well, I found it funny that Black Briar Thorn's only in this because just like Black Orchid and John Constantine, Jeff Lemire's writing just this thing dark at the moment. Or, uh, is his resemblance to Alan Moore? A coincidence. Um, isn't every character with a beard? <laughs> resembles Alan Moore. <laughs> or the guy from Comic Book Man. <laughs> Who also looks like Who Alan also Moore. looks like Alan Moore. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fair enough. All right. Beast Boy says, leave the witty retorts to him, which would be fine if he'd said anything witty throughout the story. Yeah. Or even said butch at all. He's not really said a great deal, has he? No. Well, Frankenstein just is very wordy. Yeah, Frank- Frankenstein's funnier, though. Frankenstein's hilarious, yeah. but he's not supposed to be, though. Oh, we don't know that he's not supposed to be. We've never read Frankenstein, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., have we? I've, I've read a couple Agent of Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? <laughs> Agent of Shade. Yes. Not <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. That's a completely different series. The, the Seven Soldiers issues, his Seven Soldiers miniseries were really good. Right. It was Twilight Zone every, every month. Right, but with Frankenstein. Yeah. Like, I liked him in this. Yeah. I thought he was really quite cool in this one. There's a lot of casual swearing in this title. I noticed it particularly in this issue, which would be, you know... Does DC have more of a tolerance on the violence level and language than Marvel does? Yeah. Well, DC are darker than Marvel. DC are edgier, man. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're darker than Marvel, they're edgier. Right. Daily Planet Globe amidst all the wreckage in Metropolis that I thought was quite good uh, I love the myopic advert at the end about essential graphic novels yeah. every single one of them is written by Jeff Jones so basically we're, we're led to believe that the DC have published nothing no. that is worth reading by anyone that isn't Jeff Jones what it is they're talking about Vibe which was Jeff Jones' new book for about five issues until he dropped it well, no he, Jeff Jones only wrote the first one he only wrote the first issue he, co- he didn't even write the first hour. He co-wrote it with another writer, right. and then he dropped it. Yeah, fair enough. But so I'm assuming that essential graphic novel reading list is the Jeff Jones essential graphic novel reading list. Fortunately. Yes. Because it doesn't mention anybody else. Nobody else works for DC. Oh, no. It's Jeff Jones and Jim Lee. Jones, Lee, and Diddy and Co. And Scott Snyder. And Scott Snyder. And yeah. that's it, yeah. Good issue, this. Various different subplots are all connecting to the main plot quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Good one. Liked it a great deal. 
Swamp Thing, issue 16, is The Green Kingdom, part 4. Another excellent cover. Yeah. It's another Batman spoof, which uh, is quite fun. Swamp Thing strolls through the Batcave, of course. The giant pennies in the background. And what looks like Man Bat prepares to strike. I've been quite a fan of these bat pastiches. Well, what is quite funny is he recently did a commission at a convention which was this cover, but with Batman instead of Swamp Thing. Right. The, the, the guy actually asked him to remake this cover, but with Batman. Did that kind of take away from it, though? I guess. <laughs> Just, what makes it interesting is it's that Swamp Thing in the Batcave be pursued by Man Bat. Yeah. If it's just Batman in the Batcave being chased by Man Bat, how is that any different to is, normal? Is it Man Bat or is it Man Bat Woman? Well, it's or is we, it, it Woman Bat. As we find out, it isn't Man Bat. Yeah. But it looks like Man Bat for the purposes of the cover. I like the little Canadian leaf at the bottom where his signature is. Oh, yeah. Is that because he's Canadian? Yes, he is. Right. French Canadian. Ah, uh, right. Yannick Paquette. Oh, that makes sense. Well, which is why when I met him, when we, he did the bump for the show, I'm like, oh, could you just say, uh, my name's Yannick Paquette. Uh, <laughs> oh, you, Yannick Paquette. <laughs> yes. Did you not say it was close enough, dude? <laughs> Go on, tell us about this one. With Paquette's back on duties, Barbara helps Swampy On what duties? Ah, uh, duties. <laughs> you didn't say, you said duties. Duties. <laughs> With Paquette back on art duties, Barbara helps Swampy up before Batman heals himself fully. She shows him a video of Bruce half-possessed, saying that he wants him to finish what he started. Barbara leads him to his work that takes him through tunnels leading to Arkham Asylum, which is now home to the Rockworld survivors. She leads him to the bioformula that Batman was working on to fight the rot that is incredibly similar to Alex's bioformula that turned him into Swamp Thing in the first place. He begins to work on the formula before Arkham is attacked by Giganta and the Rotlings. With Giganta almost inside Arkham, Swampy finishes filling the container. Days later, Swamp Thing makes it to the Rot's kingdom where he's greeted by Superman. However, behind him is said container a giant Batman robot filled with the green formula. A fully powered Swamp Thing, the Batbot and the Arkham survivors rush towards the kingdom. Being attacked by the Rotlings, Abby says that she's ready to become their avatar, but a fully healed Anton attacks her. She tries to fight back, but to no avail. Some time later, Anton addressed the Rotlings and the inhabitants of the town, and holds Abby's head high for all to see. Um, I don't agree with the line that Batman saw the truth that to become a hero you have to become a monster. Yeah. I don't, I didn't, Batman doesn't become a monster. The idea that you die a hero or live long enough to become the enemy is something comics have played with from time to time. But personally I thought Batman giving the serum to Barbara instead of himself shows that he wasn't a monster at all. Although maybe the people that died before Rotworld happened could be considered the lucky ones. Yeah. But I don't know. It all depends on your point of view, I suppose. Of course it's Batman that saves the day. <laughs> yeah. Even from beyond the grave. This really does subscribe to the opinion that he can do anything if he's got enough time to plan, doesn't it? Yes. Do you think this is canon within uh, Scott Snyder's Batman run? <laughs> what, that Batman cured Rotworld? <laughs> yeah. Even from being dead? <laughs> Oh, Batman, I can't, I can't get these two missiles. Oh, I've got a gadget that lets me fly around the world so fast I can turn my time. Barbara Gordon looks really cute with pointed ears. Mm. 
<laughs> Maybe it's just me that thinks yeah, that. Yeah, Alex Paquette's really good at drawing women. Yes, yes. I, I quite like his Abigail Arcade. She's a little redhead with pointed ears, what's not to love, little pixie redhead. All the pieces are coming together, although we can't get around the fact that this story has to end with a huge reset button. That's yeah. becoming more and more apparent as it goes on, isn't it? Whilst it was nice to have at least one moment of joy... Swamp Thing realising he can synthesise the bio-restorative. We get the lovely ending of Abigail Arcane's decapitated head. Yeah. Again, I wish I'd kept a decapitation count. That got me the first time I read it. Because I, 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 every month I always flick through to, just to look at the art. Yeah. Especially with Sandman. But then I, I'm flicking through and I always try to skip over that last page. Then we'll ever finish Sandman. But <laughs> so it's not going to be like Superman Unchained, is it? They, they might finish it in the next ten years. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm flicking through and he's like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Fair enough. As with the beginning of the storyline, Animal Man 17, Rot World Finale, Part 1. Oh, shush. And Swap Think 17, Rot World Finale, Part 2. <laughs> have interlocking covers, which is always pretty cool. The coolness factor makes up for the fact that the Animal Man cover is yet another Animal Man Fights the Denizens of the Rot piece. It's no different to any of the other Animal Man covers of this series, which is not to say that it's bad. Well, at least Black Hawk is not getting eaten. Yes, and I like that he has Burkhaw hands. I like he's in his full costume. And he's in his full costume, for once, yeah, instead of just his pants. Mm. Uh... The Swamp Thing side of the equation is better in that it's Swamp Thing and the survivors of Gotham City charging into battle against the agents of the Rot that here includes Harley Quinn. It was interesting that the final battles were fought in Metropolis and Gotham. Yeah. I thought that was quite... Uh... Well, the, the final battle is in the Deadlands. Yeah. The covers don't quite meet up, so it looks like... Um, who's that guy, though? Has got six fingers. Yeah. <laughs> So you have to kind of overlap them a little bit. You know, once again, you can so tell can what Paquette did on the Animal Man cover. All those backgrounds, that's Paquette. Is it? Yep. Right. It's, I like that they interlock. I think that's always quite interesting. It's only when Paquette uh, did his step-by-step guide of how he did these covers that you realise he did a lot more than Steve Pugh. But Steve Pugh got paid a page right, so that's quite good, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. With Steve Pugh, Timothy Green II and Andrew Bellinger, Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire kicked off the finale with the Red Forces taking heavy damage from the Rocklings and the Justice League. The Flash continues to decrease their numbers and so Buddy taps into the powers of every fast-moving creature and chases after them until catching up to him and stopping him for good. On the other side of Arkane's castle, Swamp Thing and the Arkham survivors battle with the rot with the Batbot filled with the bio-formula. Swamp Thing struggles against Superman after Kryptonite proves to be useless. Swampy decides that the rot version of Superman has to be living off the solar energy he'd absorbed before turning into the rot version, and so he thinks that the sun might be the thing to stop him. He and Batgirl hold Superman until the sun makes him explode. Back on the red side, Shepard and his dog army arrive for the fight. Swampy preps the Batbot for launch so that it can explode in the atmosphere and rain the formula down on the rot when Katana slices the machine, rendering it useless. Without all of his strength, Swampy cannot fly it into the earth, and so they need to find another way. Steel turns on Cyborg and reprograms his cybernetic side so that it works for him, using it against the rotlings. Medfield turns to help Black Orchid, but a flying rotling takes his head off, and his ring flies to the new Green Lantern of Earth, Frankenstein. As they continue to fight, Buddy and Swampy reunite at the castle, where they are greeted by a new, stronger Anton Arcane, 
who releases Abby's Rotling clones and the third hunter, Maxine Baker. Buddy and Swampy are attacked by their respective loved ones, and Buddy kills Maxine in order to stop Anton from having her. Steel reprograms the Batbot and fixes its flying capabilities, and it launches into the sky. Anton slices him in two before climbing aboard the flying robot. Buddy and Swampy take to the skies and Buddy grabs onto Anton as Swamp Thing uses everything he has to help keep the Batbot into atmosphere. Anton stabs through Buddy's shoulder and sends him falling down. As Swamp Thing tries to carry the Batbot and fight Anton, Beast Boy catches Buddy and tells him that he'll channel all of his energy into the red so that Buddy can use it to stop Anton. Taking to the skies once more, Buddy grabs Anton off the Batbot and Swamp Thing carries it high enough for it to explode, and the three fall down in the rain of Bioformula. Upon landing, Anton rushes into the castle and jumps into the portal of the rot as Buddy and Swamp Thing watch. The Parliament of Decay appear before them and tell them that they will help them stop Arcane by sending them through the portal to where they need to go. They tell them that they are helping them because Arcane's actions were not the will of the Parliament and he needs to be stopped. The two prepare themselves and jump back through the portal. Ooh. And that was the finale! Right, okay. We'll get that when... Okay, well, alright. I've only got brief notes on this. Uh, some of the fight was pretty good. Superman just shrugging off the kryptonite and punching Batman out was funny. As was Steel taking over the cyborg body and using all of the weapons against the rock. And uh, Frankenstein being made into a Green Lantern was really cool. I like how he gets his arm cut off him, so when he becomes a Green Lantern he has a, a new arm. Yeah. I actually thought that was great, him being made into a Green Lantern. He ma- yeah, he makes himself an arm out of the a green construct arm, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is actually really good. I like that a lot. Uh, this was good. It was a decent read. There's nothing special. Probably really confusing if read in isolation. But I do think comics have given up in trying to appeal to new readers at this point. The art change going into the last issue of Swamp Thing was incredibly jarring. I mean, there have been different artists in different chapters before, but at least they've all had a similar style. It's here we've suddenly gone from macabre, moody, horror-inspired art to Looney Tunes. Well, yeah, this is what I was saying. When Becky Cloonan did the annual, even Mm. though she's a really different art style, that is really cartoony. It worked. Yeah, because the majority of that story was a flashback, so it wasn't actually taking place as part of the rock world storyline. Even the bits were like... There's that full splash page where Anton's ripping, cutting that guy open. Yeah. And it, it worked with that, but this is, he's trying to be Becky Cloonan, but he's not as good. You sure? I thought he was trying to be John McCrea. No, I got more of a Cloonan than McCrea. Right. But Either way, it's a, it doesn't suit the last chapter yeah, of the story. I like. thought it was really good, but not on that. And it's like, you get to the bits where the, there's the touching scene where Buddy kills Maxine. Yeah, Buddy having to kill Maxine was but the it, most gut-wrenching thing I've read in a comic in ages. But it looks, it's delivered so bad because of the art. Yeah, it looks cartoony. Yeah. I don't mind cartoony artwork. In fact, I'm quite a fan of cartoony artwork. But the last chapter of Rockworld suddenly being a cartoon. Yeah. It just doesn't sit It was well. really good, but not on this. And there's so much of it that didn't work with this art style. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it's like the JLE thing. I've nothing against Andrew Bellinger. And I don't think there's anything wrong with his art if he was drawing... If he was drawing Spider-Man. Yeah. 
that his artwork could probably fit quite well into Spider-Man. But the final chapter of Rock World isn't Yannick Paquette or Steve Pugh. I do get the feeling that this was because Paquette was working on the last issue. You think? Yeah, and there's a bit of me that thinks that I don't mind this not being Paquette if he was working on the last issue, but this this just... Even if Marco Rudy did this one... Yeah, even if he got somebody whose art style more matched the tone of the rest of the story. And had previously worked on it, yeah. And had previously worked on it, yeah. There's nothing wrong with Berlanga's art. It's just not suited to this quite dark, moody storyline. Yeah. But after all of that, it doesn't end. Or rather it does, but it ends on a cliffhanger, which was a supreme disappointment and actually coloured my enjoyment of it. It really did. I know these kind of books thrive on uncertainty. But just once, can't we have some characters achieve a clean victory? A win for the good guys. I know Marvel started this whole loses as much as he wins stuff. And TV shows of late have moved away from the protagonists of the story being able to win even one victory. See any episode of Supernatural. But given that there's really only one way this can end, time will be returned to what it was at the beginning, I expected at least one good win in the good guy column while still acknowledging that The Rock probably wouldn't be completely defeated. This is a serial comic book. But I liked it. I liked this for the most part. But this is a stupid climax. Where after nearly 24 issues of build-up across two titles, plus annuals, we don't get the culmination of a story in a comic clearly labelled Finale. Alright, okay. It says Finale on the cover of both issues. Okay. That's not a Finale. Okay. Very frustrating. Okay. Flip side. Go on. Right. It's been the same story since... It's been one big story since the first issue, Essentially. A a lead-up to this. All right. Now, Rotworld is only the name of this event. Yes. So this story, okay? So when it says it's the finale, it's the finale of Rotworld. Yes. Rotworld is the name given to the event that takes place within Rotworld. Okay? The next two issues split back off into their own respective stories. So they're not part of Rockworld, they're part of the larger story that Rockworld is also taking place in. So it's a finale of this Rockworld story. When Trinity War ended, that ended Trinity War, but that was a cliffhanger that led into Forever Evil. Yeah, and what did I say about that? It's still the same story, but it's spiralling into a new story. These two issues are, are culminations of the larger story and not Rockworld. This is so, a finale of Rotworld. Why is issue 18 called Rotworld then? It's an epilogue. Rotworld, the Red Kingdom epilogue. Epilogue. It's still part of Rotworld. Quite clearly says it there. Yeah, in issue 18 of Swamp Thing. So at the very least, Animal Man. No, Swamp Thing. Alright. It's also well, an epilogue. Animal Swamp Thing. So at the very least, this should have been re- labelled Rotworld epilogue. Okay. I think your finale of your story should end in an issue that's called Finale. But. Then in that case, why isn't an Animal Man and Something Issue 1 entitled... Rotworld. Pre-prologue. Pre- yeah. <laughs> so that's where you kind of have to go, and it's a larger story, but Rotworld is only a, an, an event within a larger story. Because this was why I was asking you how this has been traded. Because if I'd have bought a trade paperback, and it had ended with Issue 17, a Swamp Thing, I'd have been quite p***ed off. Yeah. Well... 
you couldn't trade it like that because you couldn't you have to include Animal Man 18 and Swamp Thing at 18 at the very least you have to include Swamp Thing 18 because how else are you going to have one issue yeah well yeah Swamp Thing 18 has to be but I would argue I would argue Animal Man 18 has to be in it yeah, yeah. I think these two issues are part of the Rot World storyline the way it works is they've all been part of a Rot, the Rot World storyline but these two aren't a part of Rot World because they're not connected anymore See, I think they are. I think thematically they're still connected. Well, yeah, but they're both dealing with their own stories. Like, he finally, Animal Man finally gets rid of the Hunters. Yeah. And Swamp Thing finally gets rid of Anton Arcane. And even though the Hunters and Anton were part of Rot World, they were the villains in their respective titles since the beginning. See, I think to make to fully justify this storyline, the trade paperback needs to include everything from oh. Animal Man issue 12 through to See, Swamp Thing issue 18. you keep complaining about writing for the trade. I know, but now and this is very definitely written for the trade, right? Now you're complaining about it because it's not written for a trade. No, 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 that's not what I'm complaining for. So what I'm complaining at is this is labelled Rotwell finale and it clearly isn't the finale. But it is. If that was the end of the story in a trade paperback, right? Right. It, I'd ignore the... If you'd have only given me up to issue 17 and said, we, I want to cover Rotworld, and I said, okay, I'll read that and see if it's worth covering. Right. If you'd have only given me up to issue 17, I would have been so annoyed. Because it doesn't end. The story does not finish here. Okay, but what I did was I gave you everything because I knew that in order to read the story, you'd have to read the beginning bits as well. And I would have to carry on reading after Rotworld has ended because because it doesn't end. Because it's a larger story. No, at least at the end of Swamp Thing 18 and Animal Man 18, you could argue you have gotten the complete Rotworld storyline. What happens after that is a new story. Granted the seeds of that new story are planted in issue 18 of Animal Man. The rest of what happens after that is built on the ending to this issue. Yes, it is. And I have no problem with that. Yeah. That's springboarding off in a new direction for a new story from the end of a previous story. But this isn't to be continued at the end of issue 18 of Animal Man, is it? No. You could. This is the end of it. From here you springboard into new territory and new storylines, but this is the end of that story. Issue 17 of Swamp Thing is not the end of Rotworld. No, but it's not the end of Swamp Thing either. Because issue 18... I'm not saying it's the end of Swamp Thing. No, what I'm saying is issue 18 was the end of Swamp Thing and the end of the Rotworld story. Yeah, but you're saying... Issue 1. But you're saying issue 18 isn't part of Rotworld. No, what I'm saying is Rotworld isn't its own story. It's part of the larger story. So why is it labelled as Rotworld then? Because it was... A story arc. Yeah, it was a story arc. Exactly. No, it's a story And the cover of that issue says Rotworld Finale. Because it's the finale of Rotworld. Yes, exactly. But it isn't. No, but what I'm trying to say is that's the finale of Rotworld, but it's not the finale of the story. <laughs> Rotworld's just the name of those series of issues. Rotworld Finale should be the end of the Rotworld story arc. But there isn't a... <laughs> trying to say is it's one big story Rotworld is just a series of issues within that big story but that's not the end of Rotworld despite seeing Rotworld finale it only gets its name Rotworld when they go into the Rotworld so you're saying by the end when they leave Rotworld that's the end of the story no I'm saying it's not called Rotworld anymore they leave because they're not in Rotworld that would be a really frustrating ending then right when you finish reading the Viltramite War yes it didn't end because it's still carrying on I know, until but, the present day. But the last issue of Viltrumite War didn't end with To Be Continued. Yes, it did. Did it? 
I'd have to take your word for that because I don't remember because I read Invincible in hardcover. We're going to go into hiding now. Okay. Oh no. What are we going to do now? Well, that's springboard into another storyline, isn't it? But it's also part of a larger story. Yes. I'm not disputing that the whole thing... is part of a larger story. But Rock World in and of itself ends with this storyline. So my argument is that Animal Might 18 is clearly labelled inside... Has yeah. been Rock World. Epilogue. Rock World. Okay. The end of Rock World. Right? Doesn't yeah. say that on the cover. Because the it story- says the finale is in the previous issue. Because it's an 36 issue story. Truth in advertising, dude. It's a, 30, it's a 36 issue story that ends with the <laughs> issues 18. I love why you, you up. disagree with it, then you're wrong. <laughs> To be perfectly honest. No, not wrong. I just have a different opinion to you. That's it. Uh, anyway, tell us what happens in Animal Man 18. Um, the throat completely yes. it. Animal Man 18 acts as an epilogue to Rock World. Epilogue to Rock World! Talking. <laughs> and was written by <laughs> Jeff Lemire with art by Steve Pugh with a great cover uh, by Jay Lee. That's, that's one of my favourite Animal Man covers. Yeah, it's just, it's just Buddy Baker screaming. Yeah. Yeah, see, Jay Lee's perfectly suited to that. Yeah. This is the most tragic day in the life of Buddy Berker. And it, it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Buddy flies through the portal until he lands in the present day, next to the RV. Using the speed of a cheetah, he finds his family just before Maxine can give herself to the rot and stops her. As he fights the hunters, one of them throws William to the side, sending him crashing through the shed wall and breaking his neck. Buddy tries to beat the hunters, but Maxine kills the rot in them, freeing the red inside them. As the rot decays, men wearing bodysuits climb out, who are just as confused as Buddy and co are. The family are reunited once more until William wakes up and staggers towards Buddy. Seeing him, Cliff jumps in front of him, punching him away but taking William's punch through his chest. William finally dies without the power of the rot, and Cliff dies in his in Buddy's arms, having saved the day like the hero his father is. The actual end of the story. Rot World. Epilogue. Clearly the end of Rot World is in Animal Man 18. It's just all I'm going to say. Clearly the end of Rot World is in something. That's 18. all I'm going to say. This <coughs> delivers much better as the end of the story than issue 17 of Swamp Thing did. Which clearly ended with be continued. It's tainted by the ending. Which we Spoilers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We Cliff gets murdered. And uh, I'm pretty sure this was shocking, but it was spoiled for as long before we actually read it. Yeah. So there's no actual real impact to the deed. I disagree, because even reading it for the second time, no one was coming, it still had quite the bit of impact on me. Even, even though I knew... <laughs> had quite an impact on him. <laughs> Given he gets thrown into a wall. But yeah, it did when I read it for the first time, even though I knew it was going to happen, even though I didn't know how. And then reading it for the second time, it still had just as much of an impact, even though I knew that it would happen and how it happened. Mm. It was it was a good ending, um, and it did come out of left field, which, you, you know, I know that's how life works. Oh, but that panel there still creeps me out. The top left, where William just looks up. Yeah, and he's creeping up behind That's Cliff. Really, yeah, yeah. It's I just don't get off on child murder. My only problem with this issue actually is the the guys that come out the hunters. Yeah, because they completely contradict what we were told, which Buddy brings up. Yeah, and Socks even says he's no idea what's going on, 
And do they bring it up in a future issue? No. No, they don't. So they never mention that again? No. Right. It's like, we're, we're left... Maybe they'll mention it in the last one. I've not read it yet, but <laughs> it's like, yeah. In the very last episode, episode very issue last sword. issue, so, yeah, they'll, they'll bring it up. The true finale of Rot World. The true finale of Swamp Thing, because <laughs> Rot World is just a part of the Swamp Thing storyline. This one isn't even labelled a part of Rot World. Because it's more of an ending to Swamp Thing than Rot World. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. I'll agree with you on that one. Yeah. And you know, um, Swamp Thing was actually planned to end a lot sooner than this. What, in the middle of Rot World? No, when he initially did the, the thingy of it, it yeah. planned to end a lot sooner. Right, okay. But, yeah. um, Swamp Thing 18 is not only the title's epilogue to Rot World, but is also the ending to Snyder and Paquette's run on the title, having been expanded from their initially planned run. For the very last time, Scott Snyder and Yannick Paquette laid down them bones. Very good. Did, yeah. you did that, very good. <clears throat> Anton has Abby by the throat, but before he can kill her, Swamp Thing bursts from the portal and throws Anton to the side and rips him in two. He rushes to Abby's side and the two move in to the room where the Parliament are. In order to stop Anton, the Parliament needs a new avatar, and to do that, Swamp Thing has to kill Abby. Rotworld Anton comes from the portal and eats his farmer self before he tries breaking into the room where something in the parliament are. Abby has finally accepted her role as the avatar of the rot and needs Alec to kill her like he died when he became Swamp Thing. As Anton breaks into the room, Alec holds Abby close before sending vines right through her. Alec and Anton fight as the parliament take Abby's body, but Anton kills Alec and the Swamp Thing's body dies, leaving Alec's dead body remaining. From the Parliament, the new avatar of the rot, Abigail Arcane, fights Anton. With her new powers, she separates him and sends him back into the rot. Sometime later, back at the grove, Swamp Thing is grown once more. The Parliament of the Green tell him that he can either choose to root himself and join the Green, or to embrace the new life that he's been given. The grove then receives a visitor, Abby. But, as an avatar of the rot, she cannot stay for long. She brings with her the bodies of Alec Holland and Abigail Arcane, and the two lie together as flowers grow over them. The two say their final goodbyes, and Abby vanishes in a blaze of fire, leaving Swamp Thing to start his new life. Oh, This still gets me. Yeah, This hits me right in the field every time. Yeah, this is, this is a semi-tragic ending with Abby being killed by Swamp Thing to destroy the rot forever uh, and it was really quite sad it was bittersweet and uplifting and despite the losses the protagonists gain a clear victory I presume this is because this creative team were leaving the book Yes. so Swamp Thing carried on There's, did you not notice the kind of meta commentary be- with the conversation between the Grove and Swamp Thing were um, they're saying that his story's finished, but higher forces wish him to stay if he chooses, so... Right, so the book's not getting cancelled. No. So even though we're leaving, the yeah. story will continue. I, li- I liked issue 18 of Swamp Thing an awful lot. I thought it was really quite a sweet love story. Yeah. Between Abigail Arkane and, and Alec Holland, and that they both, or both the bodies ended up being dead. That's that's the bit that gets me. At the end of it. The bit when he kills her sad and all, but it's it's when she shows up with the bodies that... Mm. Yeah. And, so, and you've not read anything after that. No. So you don't know how I don't, it's I don't really out. want to. I think that's a really good ending. 
So that's the only trouble when they do that. It's a jumping off point as well as a jumping on, isn't it? Yeah. They, they don't want you jumping off. Mm. But no, that works as a complete resolution to Swamp Thing, doesn't it? Yeah. It works as an ending. If you don't want to read any more, you don't have to. It's gone. Fair enough. Next time! On an all new episode. We finish off Animal Man. We yeah, finished Swamp Thing, we should do Animal Man now. Yeah, maybe not now. Did you enjoy that? I did, yeah. It was good. Did you I enjoy did, it? I did, actually. I did. For the most part, I really enjoyed it. Are you glad I made you read them all? Uh, yes, because you... without reading the, the all the preamble, Rock World wouldn't have made any sense. Did you enjoy them as their own story, though? Yes, I did. I did. I enjoyed it immensely. It, yeah. it reads like a 90s Vertigo book. It reads like a 90s Vertigo book better than Justice League Dark did, which was trying to be a 90s Vertigo book. <laughs> yeah, but I did, actually, I did actually enjoy it a great deal. Apart from Johnny Constantine, <laughs> Filmation Division. Crazy Johnny C. Crazy Johnny C. I'd, I'd, I'd liked it a lot. Yeah. Are you going to read the rest of I'll Animal finish Man. Animal Man, because I want to find out how it ends. Yeah, it finishes now, yeah? Especially now it's over. Mm. Over and done Until with. Justice League United. Yeah, well, that's, that's your baby. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to how it ends, because something happens down the line that is pretty darn big. In Animal Man? Yeah. Alright, well, don't ruin it for me. I won't. I've done next time, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got that wrong, didn't we? Next time on an all new, you know the drill by now, uh, that 70s show. Mm. The first of our celebration of Bronze Age goodness. We'll be kicking off the 70s celebration of all things polyester and Farrah Fawcett with uh, Giant Size X-Men number one from May of 1975, New God 7 from February of 1972, and Deadly Hands of Kung Fu issue one. Uh, And I've not written down the month that that came out. (laughs) It came out in the 70s. Of course it did. It's called Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. It's called That 70s Show. It's called That 70s... Those 70s Shows. Yes. Is that a better title than That 70s Show? Because mm. we're doing a couple of them. Yeah. We'll hope you'll come back and enjoy that with us. We're very much looking forward to it. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.
Strange Hits Comics is a The Devil Will Find Work for Idle Hands to Do production. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review and illustrative purposes only. And no infringement is intended, so don't send your phalanx of highly paid lawyers after us as we have no money. Certainly this show is not turned into a lucrative revenue stream as no money is made from this either, which vexes us. The opinions of Michael and Andrew expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and no one else. They own them, cherish them and look after them, but are probably not to be taken too seriously. New episodes drop every Thursday at twotruefreaks.com and Hey Kids Comics is a part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, your one-stop shop for a plethora of truly fine shows. Join in the fun. We have a website where you can see the covers of the comics we've covered at www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com and we can be emailed directly at heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. We can also be friended on Facebook by using Hey Kids, all one word as the first name, and Comics as the surname. We also have a forum, www.forumforgeeks.com. We do hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics. Hey Kids Comics.